Hey everyone, welcome to Love, Rinse, Repeat, a podcast recorded by me on the unceded sovereign lands of the Gay Omago people. My name is Liam Miller. I'm a minister in the Uniting Church in Australia, and this is episode 100. Can you believe it? We've, we've made it episode 100, recording live. I mean, we always record live. <laughs> recording at night, that's rare. Recording with good friends, new friends, past guests, new guests, uh, and we're doing something very exciting today. Uh, oh, before I do, I should say, uh, Love, Riz, Repeat is supported by a vital leadership team as part of the uh, United Church Synod of New South Wales and ACT. Thank you for the support. Um, so today for episode 100, I was I was humming and harring and trying to work out what was the best thing to do. Uh, and I've come up with it. It's a, a Bible bracket. So if you ever heard of March Madness, this is this is Bible Madness. We've got a 64 um, team single elimination tournament. How do 66 books go into 64 slots? You'll see soon enough. But we've got a uh, this we've got a wonderful panel. We're going to basically put Bible um, books of the Bible against each other in a matchup, one v one, and work our way through until but one remains, and we can definitively and finally ultimately say what is the best book uh, in Holy Scripture. Uh, so uh, that's, that's what we're promising you here in episode 100. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, oh, the, the bracket itself, for anyone who wants to follow and play along at home so that you can be particularly annoyed when we don't choose your favourite book, uh, in the show notes you can get the bracket. So look below there. It's an Excel document that you can play along at home and then later on, you know, gather your gather your friends and family on Zoom and you can do your own Bible bracket and tell us what won uh, using hashtag, um, hashtag uh, Bible bracket. Wow, really nailed that one. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's, let's make the panel today who... Folk, they, were, they were all on mute, but if you were watching the video stream, they were rapturous uh, in, in response to that great hashtag. So, so we're going to meet each other. We're going to uh, introduce ourselves. So uh, Amanda, I've known you the longest. You can, you, can, you can lead us off. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, so my name is Amanda Hay. I'm a, a minister of the Uniting Church in Australia. Uh, it's my first time on Love, Rich, Repeat, so thanks mm. for having me. And I'm excited to, to be here. I'm so excited that I flung my Bible off my desk <laughs> in anticipation. So thanks for having me. Welcome. Uh, Brian, I'm just working around my screen now. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Liam. Um, my name's Brian. Um, I'm a uh, ordained minister of the Congregational Christian Church, Samoa. Um, but I'm currently here um, at the University of Divinity. Um, just recently submitted my, my dissertation, my PhD. Um, so the anxious wait. Um, but yeah, I'm here on, I uh, want to acknowledge the, uh, that I'm zooming in from the land of the Wurundjeri people, Kulin Nation, otherwise known as Melbourne. Um, and I'm a, my, my dissertation was Hebrew Bible, Old Testament. So if this gets too long, we can always just cut out the New Testament. <laughs> uh, thank you, Brian. And Brian's been on the podcast before. You can uh, check out his previous episode, Tal- Talanoa with the Old Testament, um, from well, several months ago. Go look for it. I think it's in the 60s. Uh, Steph? Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, I am co-pastor of New City Church and I banged on a little bit about this in a previous episode (laughs) on this podcast which was really fun Uh, we talked about uh, building pillows and embodying division Um, so I'm someone who identifies as queer 
uh, and genderqueer. So my pronouns are they, them. Uh, and I bring that sort of to my experience of pastoring and trying to create a safe place. Uh, we have a very beautiful, uh, inclusive, justice-focused community that's trying to do things a bit differently, which is exciting and incredibly healing too. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of us are trying to dredge through the baggage of weaponized scripture. So, you know, talking about the Bible and actually loving it and voting for some books that we like uh, I'm excited about getting through that. One thing I just wanted to mention quickly is I'm also at University of Divinity and I'm writing a master's thesis at the moment. I hope to get to the same point as you, Brian, soon <laughs> um, of submitting a thesis on masculinity, male entitlement and gender expansiveness in the Gospel of Matthew, particularly Matthew 19 and Unix. So mm. get ready for me to like really fight for the Gospel of Matthew at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is great. Uh, Rowan. Hi, I'm uh, Rowan Salmond and I am a religion media person. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I work for the ABC in the religion and ethics unit um, for uh, Radio National on a show called God Forbid. Um, but I guess uh, it, I'm technically a uh, uh, compelled to say that I am here only on my own uh, thing and I'm not representing the views of the ABC. Um, I also run a, 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 a newsletter, an online newsletter in my own time um, called Modern Relics, which is about uh, religion, the internet and popular culture. That's a blast. Thank you. Uh, Rosie. Hi, I'm Rosie Clare. I am a PhD candidate at Western Sydney University uh, in their religion and society research cluster. Um, so I'm not here as a pastor or a divinity <laughs> student. Uh, uh, not, not that Western Sydney would have opinions on the Bible, I don't think, but uh, <laughs> my opinions are entirely pedestrian uh, and not formed <laughs> by any theological training other than about five units of a more college PTC many years ago, which I'm sure sets me up in uh, good stead to to know most of what I need to know, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think like I don't think uh, you know more knowledge is necessarily best knowledge. Nothing like this. Um, this is my one question before we get in, and we're about to get in. But I want to know who here has read all of the Bible. I have read all of the Bible, but it was the message translation. So did I really read it at all? I don't know. Um, no, you read I, more I, words than you needed to. Um, oh, I think probably. if you read the message. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm also uh, somebody who has not gone to theological college, so um, <laughs> I wouldn't know that for a fact. <laughs> I think I've preached a few sermons um, and I think I've covered... Most of them. I think Jude is the only book I haven't covered. Is it Jude? I mean, Jude. Jude, yeah. Mm. Uh, but um, whether I've read the whole thing, that's another question altogether. <laughs> I don't think I've read the whole Bible. I've read some books of the Bible many times. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but okay. I don't think I've like, ever read Habakkuk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I, over the span of my life, I've probably read the Bible. Um, I am an extreme extrovert, so reading the Bible 
by myself it has always been a real struggle and a lot of like evangelical guilt as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that like this is the one thing you get told to do every week in the sermon is go and read your bible and pray each morning and you know i was just like i'm such a bad christian um (laughs) crazy talk (laughs) (laughs) but then i also think um reading the bible the second time through like at this point of my faith um i'd like to say i haven't really engaged and read the bible for like the fruitful lovely worth that it is i've probably read at a point where it was just boring and disengaging but i'm looking forward to getting through the bible again um now that i'm at this point in my faith okay amanda yeah i i think um you know, throughout my life, I have read the entire Bible. Uh, whether I've engaged with as much of it <laughs> as I think I have is another question. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I uh, I have not. Um, but I just like make the claim that I'm, well, I'm a systematic theologian, so I only need like seven verses. And I think I'd, I'd, you just build it from there, right? You just get that. And that's, that's what your way to the races. Um, all right. So we're going to get started. Um, content warning, uh, alcohol. Um, if people would know that every uh, Love Rinse Repeat episode for, for all 100, I think, has started with a opening of a can, which I recorded one time, even though the motif of the um, show was about being in a shower and practicing practicing conversations in the shower. But I did a can because I thought it sounded cool. But here we go. For the first time ever, live on air, cracking a cold one. All right, we're getting underway. So get your brackets open. Here's cheers. So for those who don't know how about brackets work, you have 64 teams broken up into four regions. Each region has a seat as seated one through 16, one being the odds on favorite to win that bracket, 16 being the least likely one you could see possibly making it all the way through. There can be upsets, of course, but that's how it kind of goes. And so one verse 16, two verse 15, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how we're working. We're in the first region now, the uh, the Western region, uh, if, if we're using kind of sporting terminology or if we're going to try to make up on the spot a, a, a kind of biblical Christian region, let's call this the... Uh, Let's call this the Nicene region. Uh, and so, so this is the top left one if you're looking at your, your bracket at home. So our first matchup team is the Gospel of Mark versus the Epistle of Jude. Letter of Jude. So Mark versus Jude. Who you got? How does it shake out? <laughs> I'm gonna vote for Mark. Um. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Mark, you know, it's the shortest one, it's to the point. You've got a socially justice active Jesus who's mm-hmm. doing a whole heap of stuff. Mark, definitely. Yeah, and I think with Mark, you know, you know when you when you watch a show or watch a movie and you hate the ending. Well, at least with Mark, you've got two endings. So if you don't like the first one, go to the second one. You've got the Schneider cut of Mark. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm going to go with Mark too, but shout out to Jude for like being yeah. strong on good doctrine. You know. <laughs> I'm sure if I preached on Jude, it'll get my vote, but I haven't. I was really, it really would have set a tone if someone had come out really strong for Jude earlier. Someone, someone had picked a lane of uh, how they were going to play this. All right, so Mark goes through. Our next matchup is eight verse nine, Ezekiel versus James. So it could be a bit of a tougher matchup here. Ezekiel versus James, uh, body of a uh, body, valley of dry bones, or uh, you know, woe to those who are rich. Let's uh, pick your 
pick your fight. Yeah, I think um, I'm just going to put in a little bit for um, wait, who are we, James? Um, on one of my favourite, you know, values, which is the the sin of impartiality or favouritism. Um, so I love that James says that uh, and a whole bunch of other likewise statements. So for that reason, I'm going to be voting James. Okay. Yep. You, you might have swayed me a little bit there, Steph, but I've, I've got to go Ezekiel, man. It's epic. There's bones, there's angels, there's a whole heap of stuff. It's a blockbuster book. I've got to, I've got to support Amanda here. Um, sorry, Steph, but, um, you know, Ezekiel... I just, um, as, a, as a person who is a diasporic um, identity here in Australia, um, I, you know, there's so much that um, Ezekiel uh, resonates with me. Um, and I think it's not just diasporic people. It's also people that are being displaced, people that um, don't seem to fit in. And Ezekiel ha um, has made a transition um, from, you know, learning things in a, in a, in a, in a sort of uh, set spot now they're existing in, uh, in, in you know, in exile. Um, they've made a move to ethical learning and ethical living. Um, so therefore, there's this transition from being, you know, set in, 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 in a particular place. Now they're existing in between spaces. So for me, Ezekiel, that's, that's, that's why Ezekiel gets my vote, because as a person who's sort of removed away from their home, a person that exists between spaces, I think Ezekiel speaks to me in large volumes. Big case, mate. Big case. Rosie, you look like you can look you look about to jump in. <laughs> I mean, that is a huge case for Ezekiel. Um, and I feel like my my main knowledge, it was there was that awesome worship song that was like randomly in a minor key, like which worship <laughs> songs never are, you know, like dry bones and like and uh, which it was great. It had just amount of kind of like Andrew Lloyd Webber drama going on. You can imagine <laughs> it on like the electric organ. But unfortunately, I'm going to vote for James. Mm. <laughs> and mainly because it was a really meaningful book for me when I was in high school. Um, read it multiple times uh, at, at youth group. Have read it at youth group. Led it at youth group. Um, <laughs> similar to to uh, Steph talking about the, the ideas around the sin of favoritism, but I just think that for me as a kind of teenage Christian, James had, was really accessible in, in the way that uh, in the instruction there, uh, the things around faith without without deeds being being worthless, uh, uh, what James had to say on perseverance uh, and faith was just really helpful, I think, in me being a young Christian person and getting my head around the Bible. Mm. 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 Oof, it's it's close. Um, isn't it it is close. I um I I was not I was hoping that it would come down one way or the other, so then I could just go with the majority. <laughs> um, uh, I'm actually going to start keeping a list of books of the Bible I haven't read in a long time, um, mm. and should probably return to because I think this is probably a good um, opportunity to have those stand out to me. Um, I do remember reading James as a teenager and being really impressed with what I found there. But th that was one of the books where I was thinking back and couldn't really remember a lot of what it contained. Um, whereas Ezekiel, the fairly dry bones and the, you know, breathing life into the bones and 
like that image has been so evocative. I will give my vote to Ezekiel, but I am writing down James uh, so that I can read it and then possibly regret ever saying this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, look, there's a few reasons I'm going to make this decision. One is uh, it would have been great if more of the New Testament had followed a wisdom tradition. Two, you've got to love the shade that if, if we're accepting the tradition of the church that James is the brother of Jesus, you know, it's a power move to write your epistle and not name your brother once, like the centre of the faith. And you're just like, not, that name's not showing up in my letter. And also I want to vote for James because now... It does, right at the opening. Oh, Biggie, he doesn't show up any, you know, he's not, you know, not bringing him, not name dropping him across the, the letter. It's just, he's just, you know, freewheeling out there with his, with his own thinking. I mean, I love it. Uh, and I also want to go, I want to go vote for James because now it's 3-3, three, three, which means we're going to, you know, the essentially uh, very biblical practice of casting lots. Uh, we're going to flip <laughs> a coin. <laughs> so. Can I just sneak in one more, yeah. one more thing that might sway the vote here? One of my all-time favourite movies, Pulp Fiction, Ezekiel 25, verse 17, Samuel argument. Jackson quotes in that movie. That's a good argument. One of the best lines. <laughs> anyway, I thought I'd just sneak that in there. It's, it's, good. it's, it's good. I'm still going to flip the coin. Um, so, so heads is Ezekiel, tails is James. All right, here we go. Tails is James. Ooh. I am sorry Ooh. to Ezekiel. Um, that was a tar- that was a hard fought. That was hard fought. Um, I want to inspect that coin once you're done with <laughs> yeah, that. Thank you, Liam. Yeah, if it keeps coming up. So next time someone can call it in the air, um, which will totally work really well on Zoom. Um, so, all right, we're up next. The five seed Samuel. How am I going to fit 66 into 64, you asked? It's because Samuel and Chronicles, I think. Oh, no, maybe Kings. Samuel and Kings, I grouped, which, you know, is, is following what they, you know, are in the... Torah anyway so Samuel the both books of Samuel versus I don't deal with Chronicles okay that makes sense Samuel versus Chronicles both books of Samuel both books of Chronicles what do you like best the original or the like really pale down diluted uh remake I'm voting Samuel like and I'll make a case for Samuel as my Cinderella story of this bracket that I'm gonna hope goes goes a little deep goes deep into this bracket. Um, but I'll, I'll save that for a, a matchup where I think it is needed. Uh, so I'm going to vote Samuel. I'm going to follow you on that one. Um, you know, the story of Samuel hearing, you know, the quiet voice of God. Um, I just, I think about that all the time. So yep. I vote for Samuel. Right. Yeah, I'm voting Samuel as well because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Samuel sort of gives a more uh, balanced picture, I guess, uh, for the lack of a better term. Um, whereas um, Chronicles gives seems to give you only the good news. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you want like the full story and the full picture, I think um, Samuel um, does that. Whereas Chronicles um, sounds a bit like your premiere at this stage, only the good news. <laughs> Brian did promise this that the, the, the anti-Sydney rhetoric would come out at one point. It came out earlier than I expected. <laughs> Went right for all points. All right. Who, uh anyone anyone? Yes. Yep, uh basically my view of Chronicles is it's a more boring version of Kings, you know. Um, so you know, uh, yeah. sorry, Chronicles. 
and also one Samuel two has a very significant passage, which is Hannah's song. Mm. So this barren woman who you know is overlooked by the men in the story, one of the only female voices named who actually proclaims this psalm of God's mission and justice in the world. Uh, and then in our in our gospels, Mary's the Magnificat. Then you know mirrors that so for me it's just hands down samuel um for that beautiful psalm of hannah's great does anyone i'm gonna assume everyone's happy with samuel i'm happy with samuel all right great my my best friend wrote has done a lot of work on samuel so i feel like i would be a traitor to her (laughs) if i vote for samuel (laughs) Um, but also i just think you know samuel is narrative driven uh, both books of Samuel are narrative driven. And I find, you know, as a reader, <laughs> that, you know, that takes my that takes my vote over Chronicles. And with Steph, it's a lesser version of Kings. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Amanda's nodding. Great. Uh, we are going to go next to the three C, the Gospel of John, versus uh, the 14 C, the letter of Titus. Anyone, anyone want to jump in? early anyone we don't even have to we can save what we're going to say about the gospel of john uh to like a, a, a later round when it's up against someone is anyone going to make a case for titus i'm seeing you shaking heads no all right titus is gone gospel of john goes through we can we can we can say more about the gospel of john when it goes against samuel in the next round which i think will be a tough battle um all right uh number four a four seed acts the acts of the apostles versus the uh, philemon the 13 seed acts versus philemon do you want, you know, this is length versus brevity, but, uh, you know, let's see what we, uh, what comes out here. Who wants to jump in? Is this just another hands down to Axe or? Oh, yeah. I mean, no, yes. Brian's no, got something Brian to say. Brian might be making a case. Oh, with... I, I don't know. I, just, I, I love the story of Philemon. Um, you know, the, the slave, right? Um, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of, um, I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm sort of fighting an uphill battle here, but, you know, just to give some sort of, you know, uh, f- flavour towards um, Philemon, but um, it's a very short book. So um, that's one of the benefit. I mean, you know, you can read that in one sitting, whereas X, you probably need a couple of sittings. Um, and, yeah, it's just that story of uh, Paul trying to convince the slave owner to, to take Philemon back, you know, and... Um, I mean, to take uh, Onesius, is it? The, um, mm. the slave back. And, you know, there's just, you know, it's a beautiful, um, well, a problematic relationship going on there. And I think that it's something that, um, anyway, I'm saying a lot when I know X is going to win. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> eulogy, though, Brian. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, well, okay, take it as a eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> I might contribute to the eulogy a bit um, because I think I still have to give it to Axe, but um, Philemon is... Um, I think one of the more interesting book, like small books in the Bible, um, not just because I think it's the smallest, um, but like just the way that it's been interpreted over the years, both like problematically, but also um, kind of uh, in a way that increases liberation of where this slave owner and the slave are really you know, it's like you are brothers actually. Um, and I think that is really profound. Um, and so it's worth mentioning, even though, you know, mm. Axe is just like a rollicking 
good read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I think um, Philemon is like obviously like inspired lots of really good, interesting scholarship, both in terms of like trying to wrestle with what exactly is Paul trying to do and and what exactly was this relationship and maybe what does it signify to Paul's broader view about slavery and then. Um, for folks who listen to the podcast, Joseph uh, Marshall, who did um, written Appalling Bodies, has an incredible chapter uh, on Philemon, which and he links that to questions about like slavery and slave play and BDSM. It's a, you know, so like for, for inspiring that alone, I'm, I'm I, you know, it, it, I think Philemon for a lot of us is, is the scrappy underdog, like the small town team who's come in, you're like, they're going to get crushed, but like, let's. Let's take a moment to appreciate them, appreciate their journey here. Um, great that they made it to the big stage. Um, and and we'll move on with, with Acts of the Apostles, unless anyone else is jumping in really quickly to say something else. Well, I just want to jump in to say, like, that Rowan's, like, tagline for Acts should get more airplay and that, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, you know, a rollicking good read, you know, for the singles <laughs> editions of it, I, I would buy that. <laughs> Great. All right. It's my, it's my little blurb that goes on the cover. Uh. <laughs> yes. Well, we can work on that for, for a lot of these books, really, you know, our pitch in, in, a, in a blurb. Um, all right. We're coming down to two, uh, few, three more matchups in this region. Uh, we have Jonah versus Lamentations. Jonah versus Lamentations. I feel this is someone's darling is going home in the first round, and I'm sorry for whoever that is. Jonah for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think that it's uh, one of those stories that everyone knows. Um, they're all too familiar with it, and it's just so much in there. Um, I mean, when you read it for the first time as a kid or whatever um, the early stage of your faith is, um, comparing that to how you read it now, I'm sure there's a large distinction now um, of how you read it, and I'm sure there'll be many more ways of reading it. Um, it's just one of those books that's just um, action-packed, um, and, and some of the themes in there uh, – Sione Javier um, wrote an article a couple of years back on um, uh, on, on Jonah, um, and I think the title of the article was um, "Adjusting Jonah." Um, and in that article, um, he actually thinks that from a post-colonial point of view or an anti-colonial point of view, um, we should actually be feeling for Jonah um, and not letting um, Nineveh off the hook so much because after all in the context in the ancient context Nineveh were the great uh, colonists Mm. um, and we tend to let them off the hook um, in that story so Mm. I think uh, Sione serves us a reminder that we need to remember who the colonial parties are in that text and and I find that was brilliant Um, Mm. so yeah Jonah for me. Okay Jonah for Brian. I'm also going to vote for Jonah Um, I mean I want to say that I don't, I doubt I've read all of Lamentations. I know that it's, it's so important that our biblical tradition has, has any kind of lament in it whatsoever. So, and I want to acknowledge that, but I'm still going to vote for Jonah. Interestingly, I wrote, I actually wrote on Jonah in my master's degree, which is bizarre, but there you go. And again, that idea that Jonah has meant has been interpreted to mean so many different things. I just think says, you know, this is such an interesting book that we can't dismiss this idea of that, like throwing that, you know, that it became, you know, uh, like this almost warning sign to, to sticking with orthodoxy, you know, that if you ran the wrong way, you were like rocking the boat of um, orthodox belief uh, through to all sorts of 
various interpretations. You have kids' Bibles that don't include the last chapter of Jonah, so you never see an angry Jonah, um, which of course again changes our relationship to God. Um, so I suppose sticking with my, you know, lament is important. I think the last chapter of Jonah is important where you see this angry Jonah just being like, God, I don't get it. Like mm-hmm. I am furious, you know, that that you haven't destroyed Nineveh. Um, and I'm so angry. And I think this this image of being angry at God um, and, and God kind of being like, yeah, but I have, I, I do what I do, you know? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm bigger than you. And my picture of justice is bigger. Um, yeah, I, I just think that Jonah has a lot in there. It's a really powerful story. And also the Veggie Tales movie is amazing. <laughs> Um, can I, uh, I, I'll also vote for Jonah, even though I think there's a strong case to be made for Lamentations, but, um, I just want to say that like the whale does loom large in that story. Uh, but I just want to give a little shout out to the worm, um, that, that eats the, (laughs) that kills the plant, uh, and, uh, that Jonah gets so angry about, uh, and, you know, but he never had the plant in the first place. And so it's not actually up to him. I think about that worm quite a lot and like especially in the in the context of like coronavirus stuff where I feel very uh hurt and angry and upset that I have missed out on you know certain things uh but that was never really mine in the first place so I think about that worm possibly more than the whale at the moment at least <laughs> that's fantastic Absolutely. I've got to go with Rowan with the worm, Um, you know, and Lamentations, I think is really important. So shout out to Lamentations. I know that we're all feeling a little bit of that book deep in in our souls during this lockdown. But uh, yeah, for that worm alone, I've got to give my point to Jonah. All right. So just a little bit of a eulogy for Lamentations Mm -hmm. is um, that Dr. Elizabeth Boast does a wonderful reading of Lamentations through a hermeneutic of trauma. Uh, Everyone's sort of agreeing with me on the screen here in this podcast. (laughs) Um, But for those who don't know, uh, she kind of talks about how the fragmented voices and the sharing, uh, the voicing of shared pain and kind of working through hard things that happen in life and then together kind of coming to a voice of hope at some points um you know that that communal narrative of trauma is probably something we can all identify with five people six people in lockdown here on the screen um yeah so just a little shout out to lamentations yeah, I have to agree with you there, Steph. Um, I feel a bit conflicted, you know, because I'm really good friends with Liz and um, she might think I'm betraying her at this stage, but, you know, uh, it's just so difficult. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, you, you sorry, do have Liz. To, you do have to consider... <laughs> we to change our minds and be like, no, wait, I want lamentations. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. The tide swung. Uh, yeah, yeah. You do have to consider interpersonal relationships in the in, in, in a contest right. such as this. But all right, so Jonah goes through. Um, yeah, uh, everyone said great points, but um, so I won't say anything more. All right, the next one, uh, Esther versus the first letter of John, one John versus Esther. Ooh, stumped. So I'm torn because Esther, um, 
has so much discrimination against women in the book. Um, you know, women subjected to um, physical altering for the king, um, sexual slavery. Uh, so I'm just like, that's a really awful story. Um, and a woman using her sexuality in order to get to a place of prominence where, you know, no man is really helping her, you know, arguably. Um, or, yeah, so I'm like, it's a, it's a pretty horrible story and I've read a reading of Esther contrasted with um, uh, women who were in sexual slavery in some of the world wars. Uh, and sort of a comparison reading. So for that, Esther is a pretty hard book. And then you've got one John, which is talking about the importance of love, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm correct, um, and is just a very beautiful book about love. Um, so you've got an important story that is kind of spotlighting abuse and mm-hmm. systematic abuse um and a beautiful book of love so i think i'm kind of torn mm. I'm, um, I'm i'm gonna i'm gonna put my vote for esther um sort of because of what steph's saying because she's i mean they they, they are absolutely correct about um you know the the the, the depiction of women and and um the the sort of portrayal of women as well and 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 the treatment but the resilience of women also is is such a um, such a powerful image in the book of Esther, um, and 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 it doesn't even begin with Esther. For me, it begins with Vashti. Um, you know, I remember growing up as a kid, and we were taught to sort of dislike Vashti before being a rebel. But now, you know, with a more sort of crit- critical view of the text, um, I absolutely love Vashti. You know, for 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 st- sticking to her guns, for um, for showing resilience, and for for standing up for for who she for what she believed in, um, and you know, it's funny that she doesn't actually suffer any co- any consequences as a result of her um, resilience. You would imagine that after she you know she rejects the king's orders, she would probably get I don't know cast away or maybe even murdered, but then she just disappears from the narrative. Which to me, um, you could read that one a certain way, but for me, I'm reading that as if um, she's won that battle because she hasn't suffered for her um, for for that action she that she committed. So um, I can see the resilience of women as well in Esther, um, in the in the midst of all the horrific um, stuff that happens. Um, and yeah, that to me that that's why Esther gets my vote. have a strong opinion and maybe I still don't have a strong opinion I I think that you know there is beautiful text in one John like linguistically one John is a beautiful book and all those different ways of thinking about how we know what love is and like that kind of like this is love because like we know that God is love and and we're in God if we love one another and I think there's these beautiful uh, there's beautiful text in certainly the English is beautiful. <laughs> the English translation of one John is is linguistically beautiful. Um, but I think that I, I 
without having come to this with a strong opinion, I feel very convinced by Steph and Brian's arguments that actually the things that make Esther horrific are exactly why we need to keep Esther because I think it's really important that we have a record of like that this is what happened and that God saw this, um, didn't necessarily approve of this, but that was still there and present and working through these uh, through these scenarios. And I think that's an important thing to remember. I 100% agree with Rosie. And just to say that it's not, yeah, not just something that has happened, but continues to happen. And so the way that we can read the book of Esther uh, is the reclaiming of these women's stories, not only in the past, but also in our present and unfortunately into our future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm convinced. I was going to say one, John, just because I've always liked it. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> it's wild. We're we're knocking out God is love in 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 the first round. I mean, I know point it's said in scripture. That, it's now no the longer there. It's now <laughs> no longer there. You don't have it anymore because because we, we've decided we want them. This is a very 2021 choice. I feel like we we need the mess and the the awfulness. I mean, and I I think it, for all very valid reasons. I love it. Well, I think it's, it, a, it's a given, isn't it, Liam? Mm. Uh, you know, God is love. So oh, right. <laughs> we need we need other texts to remind us of all. As like um, Rosie and Amanda mm. were saying, to remind us of the reality that we're facing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's really well said, and I think I think there's something that might be coming through with with this with this group is I think there's a, definitely a leading toward narrative and story that's that's playing out a little bit, and I think some of the votes so far. So, all is right, that I think, a bit offensive to the systematic theologian? Oh no, no, I love a story. Um, <laughs> We've also still got you know like God is merciful, God is compassion. We haven't got rid of any of those verses yet, so you know, <laughs> plenty of room for great declarations of God's character. All right, good, good. Um, and John, John, is, there's two more letters of John. We'll see if they can scrape through uh, or they're going to get swept in round one. Uh, so our final matchup in this region is the two seed Genesis versus the 15 seed Obadiah. Uh, unless we can say anything we want to say about Genesis for now, because unless anyone wants to make a case for Obadiah, we'll just sweep this one through and talk about Genesis next round. All right, Genesis goes through. How could it not? All right, we are we are through the first round. We're going up, uh, going up into the top right hand, which we'll call the Chalcedon region. Uh, and our first matchup over here is the Psalms versus the second letter of Peter. Look, we can kind of do what we just did in the last one. Is anyone making a case for the second letter of Peter? Otherwise, we, we could save what we want to talk about the Psalms. Great, we'll save that for the next round. Uh, the Psalms are going to be a heavy hitter. I think that's going to be a uh, a real hard to beat pick. All right, the eight seed numbers versus the nine seed Micah. Now, sorry, I, might... I was I was on I was on mute, but oh, I was sorry. just going to say um, I do like the letters of Peter, but yeah, the Psalms is just a no brainer. Yeah, um, the people might want to question my seeding here. That potentially my my personal love of the Book of Numbers um has bumped it up to an eight seed which i'm sure others would be like that's an easy 14 15 seed liam uh but i really like the book of numbers uh the you know we have this i'll make a case for it first and then people can jump in what they want to say um that the book of numbers starts with this census here's everyone in israel and then everything goes on 
and then it ends with a census and not one name remains the same, right? Across the book of the wilderness, an entire generation of Israelites have been buried in the sand. And then we move forward and it's, it's this mix of rebellion and distrust and angst and uh, just everything under the sun of just the mess of what it is to be, you know, humans together on a long road trip uh, and, 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 and the collapse that comes through that. But, but always along the way, is, is the provision of God and the presence of God. Um, and there's a particular reading on it that comes from some um, Jewish strange which kind of always talks about the great privilege of the wilderness generation, that unlike any other generation in, before or after, they lived kind of in this complete removal from all the external stretches of the world and essentially just lived in the, in the immediate presence and provision of God in that time um, until they all were laid to rest in that desert so that's that's my pitch for numbers but anyone can either jump on that or counter it and tell me why you want the book of micah i mean it makes makes better t-shirts i mean there are potentially enough other minor prophets who advocate for justice and against the idolatry and the you know abuse of the poor that we could let micah go and let you have numbers liam but I'm not sure if anyone wants to push back on that. You don't have to pander to me. <laughs> Steph, was that you pushing back on that? Because <laughs> um, I don't have a strong opinion, but, you know, if, if that's your case for Micah and we just need to vote on your case or Liam's case, I'm okay to go with that. Um. I think you'll you'll see that every time we reach certain books, I'm going to be conflicted because of certain friends that um that are sort of like this is their book. So, you know, shout out to my 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 bro Anthony Reese. Um, he's a um he's the Hebrew Bible lecturer there at um UTC, and um he's done some really good things of numbers, at, um, especially the depiction of Moses and Moses' masculinity. Um, which makes, you know, the book of Numbers really interesting because before I just thought it was just a book of census um, and it was just a list of names. Um, but then, you know, growing up um, and, and, and reading it more, there's just um, all these different, um, you know, sort of themes that make it really interesting. And just the depiction of God when you compare Numbers to Exodus. Um, Exodus has a more um, sort of, you know, slow to anger, quick to love type God, you know, whereas um, the God in numbers lacks, re- lacks a lot of patience. Um, you know, the moment num- um, the people of Israel uh, mess up in the wilderness, bang, you know, off with their heads. So, um, yeah, it's a different depiction of God. And for me, that makes that makes it interesting. Um, and, and I think we need to keep him, keep numbers there to, to sort of, balance out God is love and this God is just this wicked um, being in the, in the skies that, you know, vents, vents God's anger upon God's creation, that type of thing. So, yeah. But we got rid of God is love. We got rid of- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got Psalms there, so. <laughs> I've, got to, I've, I've got to say numbers, if not just for the wacky story of Balaam and his donkey. Mm. It is one of my favourites. Um, it was one of the most obscure when I was growing up. I loved telling it. Um, so it's got to be numbers for all of those amazing reasons, plus Balaam and his donkey. 
That's a very convincing argument to me. I will also go with numbers. (laughs) I'm doing my victory dance. (laughs) I'm doing a victory dance because numbers got through. All right. I I mean, Micah is great. We have consensus, Matt. I know. I know. Wow. Hope I did. I can't believe I strong armed everyone into that with with my initial pitch. Shout out to Micah, though. Yeah, Micah is great. Special Justice. Yeah. Really good. It's a good book. All right, we're moving on to the five seed Jeremiah versus the 12 seed Proverbs. Jeremiah versus Proverbs. Um, very different vibes, I'd say, between these two books. Uh, and so, yeah, who wants to, anyone want to jump you in? These two books together, man. Uh, <laughs> these are one of the two of my, you know, they're not my favorite, favorite, but I love these books. Jeremiah and Proverbs, I mean, you know, as a person that's um, done a lot on wisdom, um, you know, I have a natural um, affinity with Proverbs, but there's just so much in Jeremiah as well. Mm. Um, and I don't know, um, I think I'm going to stay loyal to my, 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 my affinity with wisdom um, and go with Proverbs. But man, I, I really, I wish Jeremiah was up against another book. Because I love Jeremiah as well. Anyway, actually, right. I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see what else says and then I'll vote. But yeah, Proverbs, I'm leaning Proverbs, <laughs> but if everyone can sway me towards the other, then I might vote the other as well. I'll, I'll just say I uh, I love a proverb and um, some of them are also kind of kooky uh, and you don't hear those ever read out in church because I think to a modern ear, they, they're quite funny. And mm. then might, I don't know. Was the author intending to be funny? Maybe, maybe. Mm. My um, favorite. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you go in. What is my favorite of, of that? Is there's a great proverb of like, like a man. Like there's like one which is which basically is a proverb about how like you're such a sucky person if you say something mean and then say just kidding. Like there's a proverb about that, and like I mean we need more of that. So like you know just to just to, just to Rose's point, you can find some funny, interesting stuff in there. Sorry, Steph. I was just going to say I love the depiction of uh, the femininity of wisdom and I think that's why I would probably advocate for Proverbs to stay in at this point uh, and that tradition of lady wisdom, you know, and just the idea of, you know, wisdom coming and having a home and, um, yeah, bringing the wisdom down into the world. Uh, And I vaguely forget how it all comes together in wisdom and the over overarch of Proverbs. But uh, yeah, that'll be my case for Proverbs. Mm-hmm. I'm also voting for Proverbs. I have like a whole spiel on why, but I feel like I want to keep it for when I have to oh, yeah. fight yeah. for Proverbs. <laughs> yeah, hold it, hold it. I'm surprised here. I really didn't think Proverbs, I, and not that I don't like, I just, I just one of those ones in your head, because I didn't try to run them through too much in my head beforehand. Didn't think Proverbs was getting through, but that, it's getting through. Oh, look at look. I look, but oh, shout out to Jeremiah. Jeremiah's that, that was my vote, and I just oh, the imagery, the planting your gardens in places that are not your own, from pl- making a home in spaces where you're not comfortable anymore, finding place and finding community and finding identity outside of what you once knew. I think that's really important. I think we all tend to be creatures of comfort who 
cling to what we've always known and we were never called to do that and Jeremiah is just a story of people who are trying to work out who they are now in these foreign lands and so look yeah Proverbs is cool I'm happy it's going through but shout out to Jeremiah. I was kind of hoping that you know we, we got to a stage where Jeremiah did go through and we all be going Jerry Jerry Jerry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the things we miss out, you know, that, that you just cannot have it all. Um, no, Jeremiah is great. Thank you for that uh, for that eulogy about that was that was great. All right, well, we're moving on. We're moving on to Galatians verse Zephaniah. Um, is anyone going to make a quick case for Zephaniah, or are we just we just going with Galatians here? Okay, we're running through. Galatians gets through and we can talk about why we love it later or hate it or whatever. Uh, so the next one, so, <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did pair these together deliberately. Um, Song of Songs versus 2 Timothy. Um, pick your sexual politics. Song of Songs. I will take <laughs> Song, of, Song songs. of Songs any day. <laughs> Alrighty. Song of Songs going through. We can talk more about it in the next round. Hosea versus Nehemiah. Hosea versus Nehemiah. Rosie Claire. I'm going to vote for Hosea. It's actually, full disclosure, it's a long time since I've read Hosea, but there was a time in my life about 10 years ago when uh, someone had just broken up with me and for whatever kooky reason, Hosea was the book of the Bible that got me through. Uh, it was probably entirely inappropriate, <laughs> but uh, I really appreciated it at the time. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, like it, it was like, just the right level of, of messy uh, and confusing and uh, all the stuff about Hosea being told to marry a promiscuous woman. And I just, yeah, like I need to read it again. I probably might change my mind if I read it again, but it was very important at the time. So my vote goes to Hosea. <laughs> I remember like pretty early on in my, maybe my first Old Testament unit, in my theology degree, I think it was an Elizabeth, Elizabeth Schussler Fiorenza uh, article on language in Hosea, of, of maternal language in Hosea, and, and kind of talking about how it's so often obfuscated in um, translation. But like this idea of God bending down to lift up Israel to nurse, um, this idea of God's womb and God as mother, and like the, how, 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 you know, this great argument for why that was really the very explicit reading of the text that this maternal language comes through. Is that enough to offset, um, yeah, all the other, the, the, the marrying a promiscuous woman thing? I think so. I mean, also Nehemiah is like all about sending like foreign women away. So it's not like that's, you know, that we, we, got, we, got our, we got problematic against problematic in some ways. But I think that that article was so formative for me, that reading of Hosea and the maternal language um, in my early biblical studies and theological education that, that I'm, that's, I'm going to, you know, just focus again. That's the prerogative of me. I get to focus on like, you know, the one chapter that's great and take that. And uh, so I'm going to go, I'll, I'll also vote for Hosea. Yeah, this is really difficult because as you say, like Nehemiah is where the foreign wives are forced to be divorced and, um, you know, so we've got that going on. And then Hosea is like, I will strip the woman and parade her in the street as punishment mm-hmm. um so i'm like bad egg against bad egg really um and i just think it's going to come around to the next round for me mm-hmm. <laughs> so happy for either <laughs> one to go through yeah i mean shout out shout out to um Nehemiah. um i mean it's one of those 
as you were saying, Liam, you know, when it, it brings up the issue of xenophobia um, in the Bible um, and, and, and those type of issues, we, you know, I mean, um, we, we can't just sort of sweep it under the carpet, right? We, we need to engage with books like that that um, bring up those type of um, mm. attitudes um, so that we're aware that the Bible does have um, a lot of controversy that extends to even, you know, I mean, xenophobia is just a, a sort of nice term to for racism, isn't it? Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish it wasn't pitted up against uh, Hosea, but I think this is a book that should maybe have survived in the second round um, because it's just, uh, you know, it's good to have those negative attitudes so that we know that, there are these things that we, that make us conflicted that we need to engage with. Mm. Nehemiah has the the reading of the law, right? There's that scene in Nehemiah. I'm I'm sad to lose that. That's a beautiful scene where like all of Israel is finally gathered back in their land after being in exile so long. And Ezra stands up and reads from the law and there are people there interpreting and everyone's just weeping because like, you know, here you are hearing your holy text read in your freedom again for the first time, hearing the story of freedom as actually freed people and, and they're weeping and then they go, look, go and celebrate and share what you have with those who don't. Like that That scene is one of my favourites and I've, I've preached on it a few times. It's, it's, it is very rich. Oh, there's... It's it's, it's it's the highs versus the lows. That's the thing. There's some good highs in both and, and some and some deep lows. I think I'm going to vote for Nehemiah, just to clarify, because, okay. um, Brian, I think you're right. It does bring up these really good conversations about the uh, anti-multiculturalism, anti-foreign people um, that is really necessary when we're engaging a human text. Mm. I mean, there's still Ezra. I think we haven't got Ezra yet, but um, there's a similar text. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who Ezra's pit up against, but, <laughs> but you know, we could we could sacrifice one Amanda or Rowan. It might be coming down to getting closer. Uh, I, I I confess, I until you were just talking about both books, I could not remember what was in either of them. So I I did not have <laughs> a very strong opinion. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to Hosea, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm giving it to Hosea as well because I know that we've got Ezra coming up. So is it R- Rosie, Hosea? Wait, we've got three, are we three versus... Wait, <laughs> hands up who's voted for Hosea. One, two, three. And hands up who's voted for Nehemiah. Oh, and I was, I was saying I was voting for Hosea. I, I swayed myself when I remembered the scene. Well, we've got like Ezra to come, so I think we'll... Uh, I'll, I'll, right. I'm content right. with putting We're going to put Hosea through. We're going to leave it near my... I mean, hopefully Ezra's up against something he can beat. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> we're really in trouble. All right. Well, Ecclesiastes versus Leviticus. Ecclesiastes versus Leviticus. <sighs> Why do we need to vote? Oh, it's got to be Ecclesiastes. Right? Ecclesiastes, yeah. 100%. It's like, yeah, it's just so good. Yeah. Great. That was, I don't hear anyone dissenting. It's the only book that was written by a 21st century author. <laughs> it is very postmodern, you know. Mm, that was great. Nothing right. new can be said. Everything's yeah. been argued before. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like Leviticus is a yeah. really important book, even though, you know, there's a lot of bad exegesis, even though there's a lot of questionable mm. exegesis of Leviticus and a lot of us, myself included, just don't know what to do with a lot of it. I mean, it's yeah. you 
I am not going to give a eulogy for Leviticus. I am not qualified to do that. I'm happy to see Ecclesiastes go through. (laughs) I mean, Leviticus is where you're going to get like love God and love neighbor. Like that's right in the heart of it. Like, you know, and and, and, um, Mary Douglas has the great thing about Leviticus working as a concentric circle that it gets more important as you get to the middle and then less again as you get out. And like, and right in the middle is that love God, love neighbor. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a rich, but very like has caused so much pain, but anyway, it is Ecclesiastes. So let's We've not... still got Deuteronomy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the heart of the Torah. So, you know, we'll, we'll hold it for that. All right. The, Oh, that was, Oh yes. And then the last round uh, matchup in this round uh, is Ruth versus three John. Look, no one's voting for three John, right? No. Okay. So Ruth is going through because, and we can save a fight for that uh, against Ecclesiastes. Oh, that'll be interesting. Do you want to choose hope or vanity? Um, all right, we're moving down. We're moving down into the bottom left as you look at it. I promise, folks, once we get out of the round of 32, <laughs> like things might speed up a little bit. Uh, but we'll try to burn through some. Hopefully everyone's having fun or this is, you know, just for us. Who knows? Um, <laughs> all right, so, oh, we need a name for this region. Anyone want to name this region? The Barman region. There you go. I'll stay with the creedal kind of thing, the, the, the Barman uh, region. I'll forget all these regions by the time we move through them. Um, all right, so we're going up first. Number one, Exodus versus number 16, seed 16, Haggai. Look, I'm assuming Exodus has gone through here. Anyway, yep, great. And then next one up is Colossians versus, versus Ephesians. Okay, that was another one where I did that on purpose. Um, Tricky. <laughs> I get them mixed up. I get, I get them mixed up all the time. Um, but I think I have to give it to Ephesians, right? What's that? Sorry, Rosie? Colossians is like your new clothes for God. Yeah. Like you, you put on your new clothes and, and is it, and, and the armor? No, I don't, I'm going to stop talking. (laughs) I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. I had a friend who could only ever remember, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, (laughs) Colossians, um, God's, and and Philippians by God's Electric Power Company. So we're, we've currently got Electric versus Company. So what is it? Is it electricity or are we all company? We've been hanging out in Ephesians in the lectionary for those who follow recently, and and, and like Ephesians two is very good. Like there's some there's mm. some real great stuff. God's household, dividing wall, hostility. A lot of good reminders to Christians that we're grafted on. Um, a lot of good, like, you know, st- passages that you can use to push back against um, supersessionism. For me in my head, and again, I get confused again of what's in what. I always think of Ephesians more as the kind of, I guess, the earlier, little more authentic, and then Colossians a bit more as the, like, riffing on Ephesians. But, like, I, I could be wrong on that. So, so like, don't at me. Um, so, what are we voting for? I'll, I'll vote for Ephesians. What are others voting for? Yeah, Ephesians. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go Colossians purely for set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That was one of my favorites. Mm, that's nice. So go Colossians. Yeah, I'll go Ephesians. Um, yeah, it, because, and it's not even a reason that's got to do with the book. It's got to do with the fact that I've preached more in Ephesians than Colossians. So I'm going to go with the book that I've done more on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Deuteronomy versus one, no, two Thessalonians. Deuteronomy versus two Thessalonians. 
Is this an easy win to Deuteronomy? Is this I another quick it, round? I think so. I think it is. Great. Moving through Deuteronomy. Um, next one up, the Gospel of Matthew versus Zechariah. This might be another easy one. Yeah, Matthew, right? Yeah, I mean, we oh, could just sorry. we could just bounce it out just to annoy Steph, just like you know, just if we really want, <laughs> just create havoc, uh, <laughs> uh, just have a conspiracy. Okay, so uh, Job versus Nahum. Is anyone going to vote for Nahum? Job, Job, Job. Yeah, Job. yeah great. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> good. Sorry to uh, yeah, whoever wrote three. these others. <laughs> Let me bring in three friends to argue about it uh, and tell us why it should be named. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, number six seed, Daniel, versus the 11 seed, one Peter. <laughs> I nearly swore on your podcast. Oh, you can do that. That's wait, This is after dark, baby. Mm, Daniel? Okay, yep. I'm not going to I don't think that's a... A wild decision. Like I think, like the, I think the Peter letters are okay, but like I mean, it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Is is a banger. That's an all time. That's a top tier track. But like Daniel is a very rich story. Uh, what about others think? My judgment is biased. Haven't read one Peter in a while, but Daniel is the first book in the Bible to mention the afterlife. And so for that, I think Daniel is an interesting book. So keep it. Yep. Daniel's also the. It's got the. Uh, it's got the depiction of the angels in it. Is that? Am I? Am I recalling that correctly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just so cool. So. I mean, the fiery furnace, the lion's den, the beast coming out of the water. That's right. you know, it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, like in Peter, you have the kind of reinstatement of the, you know, be holy because God is holy. And it's this kind of great new calling of so many key Old Testament principles and that you're a chosen people and that you're not a Mm. chosen people by your biology, but through through Christ. And I think that's hugely important that our that our place in God's family mm. is not you know connected to necessarily who your parents or what your family line is um uh so I know I kind of went for Daniel early on but I feel like there's an evangelical in me that has to go for one Peter it's a beautiful eulogy Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, today we honor one Peter yeah. and lay him to rest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. That is brilliant. Um, all righty. Hebrews versus Habakkuk or Habakkuk or something else. Hebrew. I mean, I'm interested to hear if anybody wants to speak to Habakkuk because um, I don't know it very well. I mean, so. My speaking of Habakkuk would be like early on, there's like some real honest anger at God. Like there's how long will like injustice go on? Like how long will like the evil prosper? Like, you know, are you not God? Are you not going to do something about it? And God answers. And this is great back and forth um, of Habakkuk kind of, you know, calling God out and God responding that I like. Um, the priesthood stuff in, in Hebrews, that was pretty good. Uh, what, what do other people think? Yeah, my vote's actually going for Habakkuk. Mm. I really enjoy the way that the prophet sort of opens up with that um, 
that lament and that sort of querying God and it feels like this backwards and forwards um, and it feels real, like it just feels real. Um, and although the, the book of Hebrews has got some great stuff in it, I actually personally, Habakkuk appeals to me more um, in, in my wrestle with my faith. So I go with Habakkuk. Yeah, that's a tricky one for me. Um, you know, as, a, as an Old Testament person, um, if, if, you know, I, I w- you would think that I'd, pr- you know, pretty much go for the Old Testament book, but I actually quite like Hebrews. Um, and, and, you know, what Amanda was saying, you know, there's, it's, it's actually, I don't know if Liam did this on purpose, pitting these two books of faith against each other. Um, because I think it was because they started with H. Oh, okay. But yeah. <laughs> But the theme of faith comes about in in in, in Hebrews as well, um, you know, um, having faith in what we cannot see. You know that I mean that's that certainly resonates with the doubt that Habakkuk, um, you know, uh, shows. So um, yeah, I don't know with this one. Um, I'll wait. <laughs> Hebrews comes through so strongly. Both you get you get great cloud of witnesses. That's that's key. And you get the, like, Jesus had to experience all that we experience, suffer alongside brother and sister so that Jesus could intercede as our great high priest, as one who knows what it is to be human, right? Like that, I think that is, like, if anyone, like, listens to 22 of my sermons, that idea is is, is pretty prevalent in 17 of those. Like, that's that's pretty core to me. So I think I'm going to go Hebrews. Um, yeah. there's some great like theology in Hebrews interpreting Jesus and the meaning of Jesus um, Hebrews 9 talks about you know the better form of um, you know sacrifice and I love the the engaging with you know Jesus kind of just goes in and blows it up and ends that um, so things like that that I like Hebrews for. So, and I'm not familiar with Habakkuk. I haven't read it in a while, so I'll vote for Hebrews. Yeah, I think I admitted in the opening that Habakkuk was what I'd not read. <laughs> so maybe I need to keep it so that I can read it. But um, mm. uh, I'm obviously voting for Hebrews. Uh, I think that uh, the the way that Hebrews talks about God's rest and kind of not reinterprets, but uh, applies that theological idea. The way Hebrews uh, encourages us to to gather together and to meet together, I think, is really important. Um, We often think that we do life on our own, whether that's as Christian people or just in the West in general. And um, I think that's a really stupid idea. <laughs> um, we're relational. We live in community. We need support. We need networks. Um, and we make all of our decisions in connection and in relation with other people. We do theology in a community. We read the Bible in a community. And I think that Hebrews is a, a really important reminder and encouragement of that. All right, Hebrews. Hebrews it is. 
Uh, and then the final of this region is uh, hit the wrong button. They opened up PowerPoint instead of Excel. So that's great. Now I've just got a picture of Sharon Hollis looking at me because that was the episode that went out yesterday. Uh, and but this time it is it is Isaiah versus two John. It's going to be Isaiah, right? Okay, that's strike one, strike two, strike three. All three letters of John are out of here. Did not progress through. Sorry, buddy. Sorry um, to this man. <laughs> See, that's that's the that's the comedy you get from the guy who runs the uh, uh, internet culture and Christianity. Uh, uh, and, and I think that'll and I think that'll cover the disappointment of having the other two major prophets being cast out in the first yes, round. So we need a major profit there. We kept Isaiah. Uh, there we go. Go Isaiah. We kept the most like commonly Christian uh, the of the major prophets. So that's, we kept, that's, that's nice to know. All right. We're into the final, final um, uh, region, which will be the Belha region. Uh, and so here we go. The, we, we have this one seed Romans versus the 16 seed Malachi. Now I know there's gonna be someone who's gonna kind of act gonna like come at Romans for the one seed. Um, but um, anyone want to vote for Malachi? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Rosie Claire, what you got? <laughs> uh, look, I mean, only because when you initially asked us to do this, you're like, what's your favorite book of the Bible? And uh, Malachi was second on that list for me, so I have to vote for it. Um oh, nice. it, you know, obviously I am a good Protestant evangelical person and i know that romans is the book that you need to have the entire bible in one book um so i can support romans going through steph's making faces at me uh, <laughs> um i i suppose for similar reasons to why why would i i malachi i spent time reading malachi in my early 20s um i reread it this afternoon <laughs> Uh, and I think that Malachi, to me, I, I love the challenge that goes out to the leaders of, of God's people. Uh, and it just says, your religion is rotten. Uh, and I hate rotten religion. Uh, and that message never gets old uh, and still needs to be heard. And I think that the fact that, that God that God in his word challenges religious leaders to be authentic in their faith, uh, to appropriately and adequately lead people uh, in a true and living religion. Um, that's important. And I don't want to lose that message. That's a, that's a very, that's great. And that can be a touching eulogy unless someone else wants to try to come in and, and really get a Malachi train, you know, going. No, I was just going to say amen, but I'm still voting for Romans. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to just throw a vote in for Malachi because it undermines the evangelical institution, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's I feel, what I'm about. I feel like if we bounced God is love, we can't bounce. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, I think we have to. <laughs> yeah, you say that. Sorry, Rosie, that carried me through. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was I, a... I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, require you to flip another coin. I'm gonna join, um, you know, Rosie and and Steph here and vote I'm for going... Malachi because I think I, I find the book of uh, Romans hypocritical. I mean, why would you write a book about a place you're never gonna go to? No, so I just think you know why. It's Malachi for the win. Hundred percent. It's what Malachi for me. It's Malachi for me, man. <laughs> Oh no, Romans is 
bounce. The oh, upset. Wow. The I did upset not see that coming. Of the tournament, the one seed Romans that like every reform in the church's history, like we've got to go back to Romans, Luther, but you know, it's it's and all of a sudden we're just done. I, I, I totally agree with you, Lem. But, you know, I've been to a couple of funerals in the last few months and I've just been hearing Romans, Romans, <laughs> Romans. So every time I hear Romans, it just, I associate it with death. So I'm just, right. so I'm going to put my vote for Malachi, but, you know. Plus, I, we've, um, st- yep. we've still got I, I one, Romans. two and three, John, right? So, <laughs> oh, wait, no, we don't. <laughs> oh, dear. I, well, okay, we now have to do a eulogy for Romans that, like, okay, Pauline <laughs> studies is, like, a bad dude place right like it's bad and romans is employed for a lot of bad but if you just pick up like five through eight like is some of the best shit in the bible like it's it's paul just like he barely he barely breathes it's it's just this you know the christ where we were all in christ we're all in adam we're now all in christ you want universalism romans is your best place to go to like it's it's wonderful um plus you get all the grafted onto israel stuff in 9 through 11 i Romans is wonderful, but I actually love this because what an upset. I mean, like we needed something like I should have had this. If we had started this, people would have been like jolted into their seats. But like we're an hour or so in. So it was a, it was a good jolt that like still surprises could happen. So so Malachi knocks out Romans to move into the next round. Nothing is safe. All right. <laughs> this might be a come down now. So um, I think our ordinations are now on the line. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's fine. I'm a sociologist. I no, prefer. No. <laughs> oh, no. uh, what would auntie say? Um, <laughs> good thing. Oh, I'm not. I'm not supposed to have opinions. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Eight seed Philippians versus nine seed Joel. Philippians versus Joel. I don't remember anything from Joel. What others have? I, I remember. You know the last bit of. Um, you know your young men will dream dreams and that that bit we got that in acts already though so like we don't need that's true that's true (laughs) yeah i probably remember it because it is quoted in the new testament as well uh but that's uh uh, my brother's called joel (laughs) actually that's a pretty good argument i think that's uh, i think one of the biggest themes in the book of joel is the day day of the lord uh, the Mm -hmm. day of yahweh um and you know the uh the imagery of the locusts um you know explaining the day of Yahweh um so it's it I mean it's a book that's really powerful as well with its message but um you know hard to go past Philippians um you know Philippians 4 verse 13 is a common um verse that gets used by rugby players um you know they write it on their on their jersey or on their on their tapes so um yeah uh, I have a I have a really good um connection with that verse so I'll go mm. Philippians uh, I think I love the the description of the spirit just being poured out in Joel and, you know, there's no more barriers. Um, so you don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be anything. The spirit is poured out to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. For someone who is queer, nice. that was a very significant um, prophet for me. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I will vote Joel. I'm changing my vote now after Steph, what Steph said. Yeah, Steph convinced me. I'll go Joel. Amanda's saying Joel. 
going to vote Philippians, but I'm like, if we've already, I like, I, if there's three to Joel and it's not going to matter, like, I don't mind not having Philippians. <laughs> so we got, and, and now Rowan's brothers are represented. So that's nice. So <laughs> I was going to say, though, that if we're worried about Day of the Lord imagery, we did just keep Malachi over Romans. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> Joel and Malachi can battle it out in a day. I don't think I was long. that much worried about. It. I was just, um, I think people were saying that, um, you know, they don't quite know what Joel's about. So that, that was the big thing for me and mm-hmm. Joel. But yeah, no, it's not really anything to. Yeah, I mean, the locusts, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right, so Joel goes through. We then go down to one Thessalonians versus Ezra. We put a lot of weight on this Ezra matchup, uh, but I'm now worried that it's, it's got an uphill battle. I feel like we need to keep Ezra in because we threw <laughs> Nehemiah out, yeah? So we've got we to gotta vote in Ezra. All I right. feel good about that. Okay. Uh, a nice word for one Thessalonians, you really get the, like, Paul thinks it's all going to end real soon, um, but it's, it's, it's out. All right, 1 Corinthians versus 1 Kings. I mean, just I'm writing in Corinthians, but someone can yell at me if they don't want that to happen. I mean, it. It pricks me because another overly used evangelical text, which is uh, the only epistle which is ever used every year to say, you know, people who are squandering and licentious and you're all sexually immoral and get in line. So Mm -hmm. Mm. I kind of feel like I want to vote against it just because of its misuse. That's fair enough, but I do love how how mad um, Paul is in the Corinthians letters. He's just like he's just beside himself. Mm. I I keep Corinthians for the the one body imagery. Um, I think that you know there's well, like I said before, we're we're not individuals. We are in community, and when one part of our community hurts, all of our community hurts. I'd love to see us take Corinthians to that kind of space more often. Um, uh, so I'll, despite the fact that parts of Corinthians are used as a tool for exclusion, I'd like to keep Corinthians 12 as a tool for inclusion. Yeah, actually, you're right. I do. I, I think about that image a lot. Um, and particularly in relation to the Uniting Church, um, where I have been raised and still reside, um, th- that image of lots of different kinds of people coming together to form, you know, the body or our body um, is, yeah, very powerful. And, you know, even when parts of that body um you know, have like mistreated me in the past. I think, you know, like we are um, still part of the one body. And so, you know, part of the same family kind of thing. So, yeah. Mm. And we can still have lots of arguments about gender and sexuality with just Corinthians. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of talk right there on Mm -hmm. one book. Let's keep it. I think also to say we've knocked out God is love. We've knocked out nothing can separate us from the love of God. We really got to also knock out the greatest of these is love. In round one, we got to keep, sooner or later, we have to vote for love. Uh, and I think maybe finally it's, it's, it's time. Uh, so, all right, great. Corinthians has gone through. But, um, I, I, yeah, well, well put, everyone. All right, number four seed, Revelation. 
versus number 13 seed Joshua. Conquest narrative is versus the conquest narrative. Um, <laughs> uh, which, I mean, yeah. I'm going to vote for Revelation here. Um, I think there's just a lot more to redeem, even within some of the, the rough. I mean, like, because in the end, Revelation has this, you know, so much beautiful, you know, the like every tear will be wiped from your eyes. So much of that God will be the light, like, so much of that imagery toward the end of the peaceful kingdom. Like, I know it, it takes a detour, but I think there's been a lot of great scholarship done to show you know, this is written from the underside of history. This is written from a fledgling movement that might not last last out the century. Like that informs a lot of that. And I think some of that image that comes through at the end is, is so beautiful. I know you can make, can make similar cases that maybe the conquest narratives of of, uh, of Joshua are a similar kind of wish fulfillment thing from a, a colonized people, but I'm going to go revelation and uh, I'll open it up to what, what others think. I mean, I am co-pastoring a church which is named after the new city in Revelation. Again, those beautiful pictures of um, a city with no walls, uh, mm. no gates, uh, come in and out where there's no more pain or suffering. Those are beautiful images. Um, Joshua is also a really important book for talking about colonialism um and post-colonialism and the differing narratives that we find in Joshua of wiping out and destroying a nation versus peacefully settling with them and mm. some of the ways that the Old Testament potentially has been edited with um an agenda uh to look look like uh, Israel was a kingdom like those other kingdoms and nations around them, but did they really peacefully settle? And what does that say about the human text and humanity and human motives in the book? Mm. Uh, so there's really rich stuff there for me. So this is difficult. Yeah, I agree with um, Steph, you know, with um, those themes of uh, colonialism and, um, and, and a post-colonial way of, of reading Joshua. Um, but um, there's also uh, plenty of that in Revelation, um, you know, particularly when we're speaking to empire and the, um, and the, and the sort of uh, conversations around empire and colonialism and imperialism. So um, there's certainly um, a lot of that in Revelation too. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, go I'm going to do it again. Eh? I'm going to go against my Old Testament buddies and, and go for Revelation this time. So, um, you know, because I like Revelation because it's uh, one of the only books, if not the only book, that's written by an islander. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, Revelation's got my vote. All right. Um, uh, do, I'm going to vote for Revelation. Uh, do we still need arguments? I think Joshua Joshua is great for, you know, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified because I'm the Lord, your God, I'm with mm. you. Like, it's a, it's a great... You know, there's so many good Sunday school songs to that. And as someone who spent many, many years leading the infant section on a beach mission team, I love a Bible verse that has a song. Um, but I'm going to go for Revelation um, and so many reasons. I think particularly, though, two striking reasons for Revelation for me. One is the importance of the fact that everybody in the church uh, is a bride. I think we spend a lot of time talking about how everyone in the church is a son of Abraham and a son of God. Um, and we need to counterbalance that by talking about how everyone is also a bride. Um, I think that's really important. And the fact that 
uh, Revelation tells us that there are people from every tribe, tongue and nation. Uh, so you don't have to be either a particular gender or a particular ethnicity to, to be part of God's new creation. And that's a really important message. Awesome. I'm seeing revelations going through um, with some nice uh, words said for, for Joshua. I think one of the things I'm very excited about is that this has really proven to be what I hoped it would be, both very fun and uh, real great you know, reasons to pick up a book of the Bible that maybe you haven't read for some time, which I, I hope people are doing, or everyone tuned out a long time ago because they were just were yelling at us because we were getting like not picking their favorites. So it might have made everyone very angry or excited to read their Bibles. Um, all right, pushing through, we've got a couple more round uh, matchups in this round. Two Corinthians versus one Timothy. I'm going to go once for one Timothy, two for one Timothy, three for one Timothy. No one's taking it. I want to give a shout out to it. It's got a great line of to take hold of the life that truly is life. Great line. But uh, no, it's, it's good. Okay, two Corinthians uh, goes through. Amos versus Judges. Is anyone going to make an argument for Judges? I mean, Deborah and JL. I mean... I mean, I do, I do like how narrative judges is. Um, and uh, <laughs> I once did a Bible study uh, at university. So quite a long time ago now, uh, which was run by, um, uh, I think a Sydney Anglican. Uh, I, I was in Darwin at the time, but I think it was a Sydney Anglican, like kind of person yeah. who had been sent there. Um, and he tried to make this argument about um, that, uh, Israel only had a, a female judge whenever things were going really, really wrong and all the men weren't available. Um, but the, the problem was the class was made up of me who was in the Uniting Church and then a bunch of Pentecostals and we just weren't having that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that gives me life. I mean, judges gives I, us, oh, sorry, Steph, you go. I was going to say, I don't know if I, am I preaching the eulogy of judges here? Um, I don't know. I think judges is a chance. More, more than I now that I, I'm, judges I'm, be Amos. Yeah, judges it's, is in for a chance. So, so you can make your case. Yeah, right. it's it's um, you know, we get this this circular circular cycle of downward spiral. Um, there is at the beginning a contrasting story of the, the tribes of Israel all reconciled and doing well, as well as uh, a, a woman on a donkey who advocates for her rights. Uh, at the end of the story, it's the Israel is dismantled and they're fighting each other and then this horrible story of a woman on a donkey whose rights and voice is silent and the association of this lawless state and the treatment of women uh, being something which is uh, this, a story that's told in judges I think is a real um, exposure of God's God's heart and God's law um, which I think is a real um, argument to keep judges in the mix. Mm. I'm also voting for judges um, on the kind of bad use of the Bible. When I used to lead my beach mission team, we used to use judges for, for why men couldn't go into the girls' sleeping tents, um, which if you don't know is the story of jail, putting a tent peg. Uh, so, so, you know. Anyway, <laughs> we'll leave it there. Uh, there is murder. 
Um, uh, not that I advocate for that sort of thing, but on the serious note with what Steph was saying, I think that Judges 19, uh, the fact that the story of Judges 19 uh, and the Levite and the concubine is in our Bibles uh, and we just don't even kind of talk about that, you know, um, mm. when you, we have we have texts in Genesis where uh, like famously there is a threatened rape uh, and you know that has a whole discourse around it uh, it it from from the name Sodom we have word you know mm. that applied into the popular imagination uh, and there is no kind of similar outrage for this actual violent um, uh, assault and murder of, of a woman in judges and mm. uh that's something that I think as a church and as a culture, we still need to reckon with. Um, why aren't we horrified by Judges 19? Uh, why do, you know, the, this fact that the Levite gets to tell a story um, and tell his version of a story uh, when the woman in question uh, not only doesn't have a voice, she doesn't have a life. Um, uh, and, you know, that's, for all the same reasons we kept Esther, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think it's why we need to keep judges. It's a huge, um, you know, we can turn our noses up and say, oh, there was only women because there was a downward spiral or whatever. But I think that downward spiral is still is still reflected in society. So we need to look into that mirror and and see what it's showing us. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my vote for judges as well. I mean, I, I mean, I love the Book of Amos. Um, you know, I, I I loved how Amos comes about as some sort of an anti-hero. Um, you know, in chapter seven, you know, he goes up, gets sent by God to go up to the north, and um, you know, the uh, Amaziah, I think it is, um, encounters him and says, "Where are you going?" And he said, "Well, just coming in to deliver a message. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a son of a prophet." Um, it, it just has that real anti-hero feels like, um, you know, he, he's, he's, an, he's a prophet, but he's telling him he's not one. He's just the son of a sycamore farmer or something like that, or he's a sycamore farmer. Um, so, yeah, I love that about Amos. But, you know, with judges, you know, with all the reasons that Steph and Rosie have brought about, I mean, I, I also give attention to chapter 11 and 12, where you've got the sacrifice of Jephthah's daughter. Um, and that's a real problematic story. Um, and you know, gender issues are come out of that. Um, certainly, come out of that um, uh, that particular story as well. Um, unresolved, somewhat, and you know, as a result, you get all these different readings of it. And I just think it's a story that's so rich in um, in all in just all the different um, sort of problems that we encounter, um, and and also the violence. I mean, mm. some of the violence that occurs in there, it's it's stuff of. I mean, it's it's like. Um, it's like watching um, what's it? Uh, what was it Game of Thrones a bit? You know, it's just it's just got everything in there. Um, probably perhaps not the bad season eight, but yeah, it <laughs> seems to be in there. In, in yeah. the Book of Judges. Amanda, how about you? Yeah, I'm going Judges as well for yeah. everything that has already been said. I think it's a really important book to pay attention to and to learn from. So keeping it in there. Right. Well, that was a wonderful discussion, and I think that was really helpful, and I think Judges is, is clearly going through. All right, one more. Uh, one more matchup in the whole first round. Uh, so we got two kings versus Luke. It's Luke. Will Harvey? All right. 
it is Luke. And that concludes the first round, the round of 62. We're going to take a break back soon. And we're back. Uh, so we're going to continue on. We're going into the next round. And uh, we decided off mic in that break, this is going to be a lightning round. We don't even get to make the case. We're just saying real quick. I mean, unless someone really wants to eulogize something or yell, um, but we're just going to burn through the round of uh, the Sweet 16. Uh, and then we'll start getting more, dip, more dug in once we get to the Elite Eight. So here we go. The Sweet 16 begins with Mark versus Ezekiel. Uh, I'm going to go Mark. Yep, Mark. Everyone for Mark? For Mark. For Mark. Okay, great. Mark goes through. We're going Samuel versus John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm no, going Samuel. 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 I would have gone John. I would have gone John. But I think we're on John too. Okay, we're flipping the coin then. It's okay. The, um, it's Samuel. Um, well, the, well, the head is, a, is the royal, so it has to be Samuel and the tail. Okay. Um, the platypus is 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 John. So the tail, the platypus is John. So John goes through the great political drama of Samuel, uh, which I never even got to make my big case for. Stay tuned for a future Love Rinse Repeat episode where I rail against this injustice. Um, Axe versus Jonah. A Bathsheba, right? You know, take a moment to, yeah. to you know, honor the woman whose story has been badly told for so yeah. many so many uh centuries um yeah before I just, we move on i'll leave I, it there no i appreciate that i just did one of my favorite sermons that i get to do which is on rizpa great story in samuel so you know um pull one out um axe versus jonah jonah i know everyone's gonna go x but i'm gonna go jonah i'll go jonah jonah and, uh, i don't jonah. know i'm gonna go axe I'm going to go. Axe. All right. Axe. And we're flipping again. Uh, <laughs> the tails is axe. The heads this time. Jonah goes Oy, through. Jonah. I mean, axe only has like three stories and it repeats them a fair bit. So um, Esther versus Genesis. I'm going to go Genesis. 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 He <laughs> made like a really good. We had a really good conversation about Esther. I, I, I heard we, Rose we can, we can Genesis, though. We just assumed we were keeping it. Rosie, well, we'll... did I just hear you say Genesis? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, but I'm happy to take credit for Genesis. If, uh... <laughs> well, we can have a good conversation about Genesis Nick, in, in a future round. All right. Psalms for, oh no. Psalms versus Numbers. Psalms. 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 Psalms, uh, yeah. Psalms is great. I, 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 even I, I'm just happy numbers got through one round. Proverbs versus Galatians. Oh, I'll go Galatians. Proverbs for me. Proverbs. Proverbs. Galatians. Oh, Steph, it's under you. Galatians. Okay, three, three. <laughs> um, heads you, just want, you just want to see him flip the coin, eh? <laughs> the coin. This is a great podcast. Um, head, heads, I was about to say heads is Galatians, uh, and so and it is, it is, it is tails. Uh, so it is um, the other one. Proverbs goes Proverbs. through. Proverbs. Interesting. Oh, Psalms versus Proverbs in the next round. Get excited for this. Um, Song of Songs versus Hosea. Song of Songs. Song of Songs. Song of Songs. Great. Uh, Ecclesiastes versus Ruth. 
Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Ruth. 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 Wait. Okay. So it's it's now uh, now. Um, so I think it's two and two, and Steph and I haven't voted yet. Oh. What? Oh boy. Hey, Ruth has sexual innuendo. That's that's going for it. It's a narrative. First century author. Ecclesiastes is yes. First century author. So, um, Amy Bird in her book Recover. I know we weren't meant to give defenses. No, no, we need we need. I think for this one. Bird in her book Recovering from Biblical Manhood Womanhood uses this phrase of gynocentric interruptions for all the times that we get women's voices and women's stories in the Bible against the kind of both against the fact that it is a predominantly masculine text, but it is also accused of being a predominantly masculine text. And I think it's um it's a great phrase to remember that those interruptions are there and to think about why are they there and why do we think they're interruptions. Mm. Oh how how appropriate is Ecclesiastes in this time of COVID? <laughs> appropriate. Everything is vanity, eh? <clears throat> I'll, I'll um, go for Ruth. I'm going to go for Ruth as well. Oh, Ruth goes through. Oh, yeah, Ecclesiastes. I, I, fair enough, I, fair enough. Oh, my heart just broke. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, right? I hope you got a sound that you know, <laughs> yeah. that, you know of a heart broken that yeah. you can do it later on. I'll play that in. Uh, Exodus versus Ephesians. Exodus. 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 This is so hard. But I don't know. The paradigmatic story that the whole rest of the Bible keeps reinterpreting salvation yeah, through. Right. That's it. <laughs> All right, I think it's in the Red Sea as well. Sure, sure. Exodus. <laughs> uh, Deuteronomy versus Matthew. Oh. Ooh. I mean, Matthew is just like Deuteronomy and, revisited. And right? Deuteronomy is, is similar to what Steph was saying. You know, mm. it's one of those texts that gets reinterpreted throughout the rest of the Hebrew Bible. And the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament. I'll so, go with Matthew because my favourite verse is in Matthew. But I'm going to go with Matthew as well because of the uh, the women in the genealogy. Mm-hmm. What's your favourite verse, Rowan? Uh, it is Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32, the parable of the mustard seed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds- well, I am definitely going Matthew. I was just waiting to see if I needed to make a case. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm go, I'm going with Matthew because Deuteronomy exists in every other book anyway. So, and I mean, what I, I would go with Matthew too. Part of what I love about Deuteronomy is, you know, how the the call to Sabbath rest, but also, you know, the the love your Lord your God, uh, and both those things occur in Matthew. Uh, and Matthew is great for all the reasons Steph spoke about in terms of eunuchs and the kingdom. As we're always saying with mustard seed. Amanda, are you? Did you? Oh man, I feel so sad because my vote's for Deuteronomy. Mm. I um, as as great as the Gospel of Matthew is, I don't. Uh, it's not my favorite in terms of the way it speaks about Gentiles. Um, but uh, you know, oh, that's my eulogy for Deuteronomy. Eulogy for Deuteronomy is the whole um, how far, you know, th- this thing that you need is not far from you, not up in heaven that we have to go up there, not across a river, but here so close to you. But anyway, Matthew's going through, uh, which is all good too, because now we've got sheep and goats still on the play. Uh, Job versus Daniel. I'm going to vote Job. Job. Great. 
Daniel. Oh. Sorry for me. Job goes oh. through. Oh, sorry. It doesn't matter what I vote anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go through with consensus, but it goes through. Um, and Hebrews versus Isaiah. Uh, I'm going to go Isaiah. 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 Okay, correct. Go and oh, 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 the Excel screen got away from me. Here we go. Uh, Malachi versus Joel. Malachi. I'll go Malachi. The case made for it earlier was great. I agree. Yep. All right. Malachi's through. Uh, Ezra versus 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. I'm going 1 Corinthians. I One Corinthians. Okay. That gets through. I don't know. No, I know. Well, I mean, you already outvoted. You can make a you can make a dissenting uh, whatever they do in the Supreme Court, right? Yeah, a dissenting a opinion. Dissenting opinion. <laughs> uh, Revelation versus two Corinthians. Revelation. 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 And Judges versus Luke. 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 I'm going to say judges. I still so Luke that. is yeah, my favorite book of the I Bible. I only put my vote to judges. Um, you know, just the, uh, the, the, the problematic chapter 11 and 12, I reckon, for me, uh, Jephthah's daughter, it's, it's a really uh, conflicting story. And I think conflict is uh, essential in the final rounds. Have we sent any Gospels through yet? Didn't we just send uh, Matthew, Matthew, we sent Matthew through? And Mark, yeah. and, Matthew through. and Mark got through. And John as well. And John. I think, I think oh. all the Gospels are still in play. All the Gospels my, my advocacy for Luke is you get the Magnificat and you get the, the, the declaration of I have come, you know, what have I come to do? Set the captives free, you know? I mean, where are you going to get that Jesus elsewhere? Of Mary saying I'm going to send the rich away empty and Jesus saying I'm setting the captives free. You get abolition, you get socialism, and you're like four chapters in. And I would um, add to that, and this is why Luke is my favourite book, is Luke 8 and the story of the bleeding woman, um, uh, which, you know, is amazing and uh, it forms, like, an entire chapter in my PhD uh, because of how it was spoken about, <laughs> so I can't disregard it. Um, you know, I think that that story, that, so I heard a sermon, I'm just going you know, to shout out to Erica Hermentz at Barney's Broadway who preached on this so beautifully as, a, you know, an encounter where of a, you know, a, a woman who is not, with, does not have power in her society, her encounter with a powerful man, and we're so used to that story of a powerless woman meeting a powerful man and it going wrong and here it doesn't uh and that is such an important portrayal of who jesus is and who a god is um that i think is the core of luke for me but also it's luke 15 and the parable parable of all the lost stuff um <laughs> you know they're they're my um, that's why Luke is my actual favorite book, I think, if I had to pick. And I didn't get to say that in the last round. So I've broken the rules, but that's oh, why no. I wrote it for Luke. It was good. It was good to break it for Luke. <laughs> that's a beautiful eulogy for Luke. That's a fantastic eulogy for Luke. So I think it's it's close-ish. Amanda, what are you voting for? Yeah, as as much as I think the book of Judges is really important, my vote goes for Luke. Um for all of those reasons. And, you know, it's considered to be the gospel for all. So yeah, I, I, I like it. I'm so, going to look. So where are we at 
Luke, who also Hoover, Amanda and Rose Claire, and then judges is Brian and Rowan. So, oh, Steph. Yeah, I'm torn be- between the spotlighting of bad behaviour and honest violent stories being in our Bible to critique and engage with Um, and violence against women particularly being a very real, you know, tale for our times. And then the other side is the everything that's been advocated for Luke, um, which I love as well, the Magnificat, the declaring of the captives being set free. Do you pick the the good side or the bad side, the spotlighting of bad or the proclamation of good? Um, we, can, we can let the coin decide if you're, if you're not ready to. <laughs> I think I'm going to let the coin decide because I think I can't let judges go. Okay. So it's funny, there's a few times now it's been the top row versus the bottom row on my screen. Uh, so here we go. Um, who wants to, ch- someone else can say which is going to be which. I shouldn't have done that. Now it's bad radio. Uh, all right. Heads oh is gosh, judges. because it's Limbs it's a, cut it's out. Ro- Uh-oh. Am I still here? You are now. I just oh, didn't no. see the coin flip. That's right. I have, we have I, no idea what just happened. I didn't do the coin flip. I was okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> ju- um, heads is judges, tails is uh, Luke. Tails is Luke. But I think we made really good discussions for judges. So, uh, all right. Oh, but so there we go. We went, we burnt through that round. So now we can, if we want to, we don't have to. We're in the elite eight, we can take a little more time should we wish to, but we can also burn through stuff. But we've got our first gospel v. gospel. We've got Mark first John. And I like this because you couldn't think of them as two more different gospels. Um, <laughs> Mark v. John. John? I would go John. Oh, uh, sorry. I mean, Mark. <laughs> I'm going John because... Uh, I'm going John because um, I think the story of um, Nicodemus is a story that everyone needs to hear. And you don't find that in the other Gospels. You have such a tender Jesus in John that that I that I I, I, I attach myself to quite a lot. Plus, I love the prologue. Like I know the like the, the trendy choice. I feel like the trendy choice is is Mark, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say John. John's a unique player, right? You know, we That's we true. we've mm. still got other synoptic Gospels. Um, but I'm going to go with John. I love the image of Jesus, of a resurrected Jesus uh, making breakfast for mm. his friends. Um, I, I want, I want a savior who makes breakfast on the beach. Um, <laughs> Even if it is fish and bread. <laughs> you know what? I, uh, irrelevant to this conversation. I have celiac disease. When I fly long haul, the amount of times I've been given fish for Every single meal, oh, no. yes, even if it is fish and bread. And oh, I'll no. enjoy the bread with gluten in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so All right. Can... you've convinced me. I'll, I'll switch to John. Yeah, I'm going to go John. It's the only one with the Samaritan woman, isn't it? Uh, we have the Canaanite woman and others, so I think, yes, I think it's the, 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 the yes, I think you're right. Anyways, there's a few, you know, 
unique John stories that, you know, keep it in there. Sorry, Amanda, I talked over you. What no, 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 say? you're right. I was just going to be like, no, because Mark has a Syrophoenician woman who's like, like my favourite story in the whole of the Gospels. It's not in John, you know, talking about like, you know, giving the scraps to the dogs and there's this huge justice story, um, you know, a story of, you know, the patriarchy and what that means. I just, oh, man, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm losing with Mark, but I just need to say, Sarah Phoenician woman, just, yeah, I'm sad. <laughs> That, that can serve as a wonderful eulogy for the Gospel of Mark, I, um, unless because I think I think John has it. So um, thank you, Amanda, for that those kind of words. I'm surprised John got through. I'm excited. That'll be interesting for going forward. So John goes through. Uh, next up, we have Jonah versus Genesis. I mean, Genesis is just is too rich, I think, to lose to Jonah. I think there's just too much in there. I mean, we get all the like, if you want to have good conversations about gender, there's there's sexual assault and rape and 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 misuse, there's there's sibling conflict, there's the create. I mean, there's just too much. You have the whole Joseph story, you know, to, you have like a million stories, then you just like let's settle in for 15 chapters and just tell one story with all its yeah, But you don't get a whale that. and a worm in Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> You do in the creation. You get the serpent in the creation. If there was a whale in the flood narrative, I think some of those people would have been saved. Yeah. And maybe there were worms on the ark. I don't know. I don't think so. I think we... I love Jonah, but I'm happy to go to Genesis. Genesis. All right, great. Oh, Genesis first John coming up soon. The two creation accounts. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, Exodus versus Matthew. Oh, this is great because Matthew was just doing like, you know, Jesus is the new Moses, Exodus typology throughout. Um, I just want to hear Steph. Yeah, Rick Steph. <laughs> you can make the case and then we'll see what we all do. Yeah, I mean, I love Matthew because it's the strongest to define the Basileia of God and this alternative empire against the empire of Rome, which mm. has a flipping of the script and an alternative social hierarchy where the little ones are valued. And, um, you know, I know we get that in some of the other Gospels, but it's just so rich in that regard. And also the text that I'm writing my thesis on doesn't appear in any of the other Gospels um, where they talk about um, eunuchs, becoming eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven and drawing from the beautiful passage in Isaiah and the place of eunuchs and uh, just the way that they embody gender expansiveness uh, and gender diversity in the kingdom of heaven. It's just beautifully inclusive. So there's a little taster. I don't know if that's convinced you. I'll make the Exodus case there and then people can can i mean that was great steph and that that was rich and i am in a tough place but i mean exodus you have the name of god 
revealed to Moses, the I am who I am, the I will be what I will be, that God will be revealed in what God is about to do, and that is set people free and make of them a people, a people of God to be a witness to the nations. You have God appear in this burning bush that, that it alights in flame but is not consumed, that God is somehow compatible with creation. God can show up and we are not obliterated but are set free. Uh, and then you have the foils of people. You have the song of Miriam. You have, uh, you know, just, just, just that whole thing of how we get out of a bad situation and then we immediately complain that, that now is not all our problems haven't just disappeared. Um, plus, if we didn't have the book of Exodus, I do not believe we would have Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. And that is a film I'm not ready to let go of. Uh, so anyway, I'm, um, that's my case for Exodus, uh, which is not as good as Steph's case, but people can Steph, make of that whatever they i got to say, Steph, you are reframing Matthew for me, which is great, but my throat still has to go to Exodus. And for me, it's because you have this, one of the first stories of um, this, this uh, scarcity and fear coming in with Pharaoh and the ways in which um, God liberates people from that scarcity. Uh, and it's, it's a story that we often forget and it's one that we, we live by in our cause, this sort of feast and famine that goes on and what God has to say in the midst of all of that. So it, it's really important for me um, to reflect on as in, you know, within our society around, you know, who are the pharaohs and what are the ways in which we cling to that sense of scarcity and that fear that pharaoh generates and, and how are we meant to respond as a people of God and everything that Liam said also. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a case also for, um, for Exodus and, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, being an ally also to, to feminist reading, you know, um, I mean, in the book of Exodus, you've got that really wonderful story of the Hebrew midwives, um, you know, and, and it's sort of, there's, this, there's a scene from one of the Monty Python movies that, I've, that I remember where there's this, um, there's this mother in the kitchen and she's just giving birth to children at will while she's washing the dishes. Um, you know, that sort of, that image comes about when you hear the women arguing against, um, you know, against Pharaoh, like, you know, Pharaoh's, like, oh, well, how are all these, you know, Hebrew boys being born? And well, you know, they're very powerful. They're just, uh, they're powerful women, you know, the, the Hebrew women, they just give birth and then off they go. Um, <laughs> so that image from Monty Python um, sort of, sort of comes into my, my head, but, you know, jokes aside, the resilience of women in the story as well, um, and it's not just the Hebrew midwives. I mean, you know, you've got um, other, you know, the Pharaoh's daughter who goes against Pharaoh's will to pick up this baby from from the Nile. Um, you know, and then you've got women that are saving men. Um, you know, you, you've got Miriam, you've got Moses' mother, um, and then you've got um, you know Moses' wife, um, the the Midianite woman. So. Um, you know, all these wonderful women who, you know, fear to reframe Exodus in a, in a feminist uh, sort of or, or a pro-woman um, way, you can, you can reread Exodus from that point of view. So, yeah, that's, that's my making a case for Exodus. Oof. 
Rosie Claire, are we over to you? <laughs> um, oh, like, I feel like I have to side with Steph. <laughs> um, and not just because Steph is my friend. <laughs> no, Steph is my friend. Um, uh, so maybe that means I can't vote. I don't know. Um, I've just, I've been like flicking through uh, Matthew while this conversation has been going on. I, um, look, I, I can't, I'm just, I'm just really torn because I agree with everything that's been said about Exodus. But then I was like, well, but in the last round, I was kind of like, eh, do we need Exodus? <laughs> so, um, I, I, I'm going to go with Matthew. I'm going to go with Matthew, uh, because of the stuff on Unix, I'm going to go with Matthew because of when Jesus is like, you don't, don't even get what marriage is. <laughs> um, uh, you know, his confrontation with Pilate, which, you know, if we're thinking about, uh, you know, who, you know, uh, Amanda was talking about the, the exchange with Moses and Pharaoh, I think, you know, um, in, uh, in Walter Brueggemann's uh, truth, essays on truth and power we we see that there's a real parallel exchange between Moses and Pharaoh and uh, Jesus and Pilate and that uh, that whole picture of authority and truth and power uh, you know Brian wanted to keep Ecclesiastes for his postmodernism, but then we've got like Jesus being like what is truth so you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good yeah that yep. it, Pilot said that, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who cares, right? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with Matthew. Rowan, what did you go for before? Uh, I went with Matthew. Okay, so we're 3 3. We're 3 3. All right. Um, Pharaoh's is, oh, I don't know. Heads is Exodus, Tails is Matthew. Tails is Matthew. Tail, Matthew goes through. He always uh, freezes on the uh, coin toss. Oh, oh. <laughs> did everyone hit Matthew went through? Did everyone that got heard? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. Matthew goes through. Oh, baby. Um, all right. Job versus Isaiah. Mm. Isaiah. Isaiah. We've got one early vote for Isaiah. I'm going Job. Yeah, I'm going Job. Uh, the, 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 the story of Job. Uh, the the way that it talks about grief, the way that it talks about relationship, um, the way that it talks about you know that that question of like why do why do good things happen to why do bad things happen to good people and it the story is going eh, but God is in in the people and in the relationships and you know I, it's just it's mm. such a beautiful story and it's something that speaks to the the human range of emotions so that's my vote for job yeah i i i'm gonna go with amanda here as well i mean um you know two of my other wisdom friends have gone out now so um, I'm, I'm trying to fight valiantly here for job um but the thing i the thing with job and you know amanda was saying is and, and this is one of the books that where the deuteronomy's theology comes into uh, play you know the whole blessing and curses if you do good you'll get um, blessed if you do bad and you'll get cursed um, and and you know job 
just as any other 21st century person would, would actually questions that notion, that understanding, because in reality, we don't see that happening a lot. Um, mm. We see good people do, um, suffering and we see bad people, um, you know, doing well. And, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a real life question that, that sort of transcends time. Um, and, and also, the thing I like about Job is that um, just the characterization of Job, um, where, you know, here you have a man that's, that's had a lot in his life. He's got all these, you know, wonderful things, but you, you, you sort of wonder why he persisted to go through this journey of learning. And to me, that's sort of the essence of it all. Eh? The, the, the satisfaction and sort of the clarity that it gets towards the end um, comes out of this, um, this sort of um, understanding that this is what he's been missing, is these lessons. He's had all the wealth in the world, um, but he, he hasn't had the knowledge and the, and the, and, and the wisdom. Um, and to me, that's, that's something that we could all learn from. Um, and, and yet... He at the end, it's sort of like, well, he doesn't really achieve it, uh, but he's still got a lot of questions. Um, and I think that they reflects reality a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with Joe. Mm. Um, to, to advocate for Isaiah, um, there is this picture of the, the equitable city uh, or the just city that I love. Uh, an equitable economy and, and society that I love in Isaiah, the visions of all nations coming to the holy mountain of God to worship together. Um, it's a very abundant uh, vision. Um, again, uh, another, another passage about eunuchs, where the eunuchs get a place greater than sons and daughters, uh, which for anyone who is queer, is a beautiful um, inclusion of uh, people outside of the binary or uh, who don't fit in, who have previously been excluded from the temple and uh, been excluded in a lot of the laws. So to see that in the Old Testament is beautiful. Um, so there's a few wonderful things about Isaiah, which I'll be voting for Isaiah for. Mm. I'm also voting for Isaiah. I'm voting for Isaiah because of the the seven songs in Isaiah. Um, and like I said, I love Bible verses that have songs to them. And, you know, mm. there's a wonderful Colin Buchanan rendition of <laughs> a very famous part of Isaiah. Uh, and that's really core cool to my faith. <laughs> but genuinely because of the seven song imagery in Isaiah. And I think that without that, you know, we were, we were saying how we needed Exodus because of how it foreshadows so much of what the gospel is about. And I think that the seven songs in Isaiah do that so beautifully as well. Ron, what are you thinking? Uh, I had initially gone with Isaiah, but I think Brian's convinced me to go with uh, Job. So, mm. yeah. I think I want to go with Job too. Sorry to the, the great case made for Isaiah. I think one, you get this beautiful idea of this, the friends of Job do everything right up until the point they open their mouths. And I think there's a sense that we can all learn a lot from that, that, that like going and sitting with your friend as they grieve and staying through the days in the dust is, is a beautiful kind of pastoral thing to do. Um, the issue you have is when you start talking sometimes and try to theologize 
your way out, you know, into their grief. And uh, and that's a decent lesson. Also, without Job, you don't have the Coen Brothers, A Serious Man, and I don't want to lose that film. Uh, so, all right, great. Job goes through, ooh, to go against I was going to say, and talking of, like, opening your mouth, I think, you know, you guys get Job. We got Matthew, and I now that I think about it, I'm like, I think I just, like, merged Matthew into other Gospels when I was like, Matthew's amazing. So I probably just should have shut up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um all right, we've got Malachi, which is somehow into the Elite Eight today. Just That was a great story. Uh, that's our Cinderella story in the end. It wasn't Samuel, it was Malachi getting into the Elite Eight. Can it, can it continue? It's Cinderella run. Can it beat 1 Corinthians? Malachi versus 1 Corinthians. Look, I, I'll start us off. Uh, I'll, I'll be voting for 1 Corinthians, but no one has to panic me. Um, I think... Like, okay, it, it can be problematically used, but this idea of the wisdom and the folly of God is very beautiful. Um, the, the cross being so central that, like, you know, that Paul was just so rigorously grabbing onto the cross that you couldn't just jump to resurrection, you couldn't just jump to glory. You had to go through the cross, you had to go through the suffering, through the, you know, Jesus' commitment to go all the way down into the pain and hurt of the world. And, and if you couldn't get onto that, you know, then you couldn't get onto what everything else was about. And, and the thing is, if you let go of Jesus on the cross, it is very easy to let go of the crucified people of this world. And I think that is, is, is a beautiful appeal. Plus, Paul is telling off rich folks who are eating before the day laborers get off work. Um, and, you know, we need that now to um, pay people to stay home. Uh, so there you go. Um, that's my vote for one Corinthians. And, uh, but I, I'm happy for the, for team Malachi to come in as well. <laughs> uh, my votes with one Corinthians, I would say. Look, I love Malachi, but I feel like given, you know, if this was a chess game and, you know, we wiped out Romans with Malachi, maybe it's kind of fair to now wipe out Malachi with 1 Corinthians. Um, like, that hurts my heart, but 1 Corinthians is a good book for, you know, I'm, I'm standing by what I said before about the body imagery, you know, also shout out to the fact that it's you know, that marriage is a concession. It's better to be single, um, you know, so we'd not have that if we didn't have, like, Corinthians. I'm trying mm. to think of lots of contrary reasons to be okay with 1 Corinthians. Um, I'm willing to let 1 Corinthians swoop down and take out Malachi. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit um, conflicted here because, um, you know, First Corinthians, obviously, a very popular text. Um, but I can't help but um, point out the importance of Malachi from a canonical point of view. Um, because if you look at the Hebrew canon, um, Malachi is no, is, isn't really towards the end, but in the Christian canon, it is. Um, and it's meant to be the door opener to the birth of Christ um, from a Christian canonical point of view. So Malachi plays an important view from a Christian perspective because without Malachi... Um, we don't have that door open because Malachi, um, you know, prophesies the, the coming Messiah and then bang, Matthew comes in with the, uh, with the birth of the Messiah. Um, but 
I think um, Rosie said before about Isaiah. So, um, you know, Isaiah sort of speaks to Messiah. I mean, if we're talking Christian um, interpretation, then certainly we could sort of read that towards the Messiah. But if we're talking ancient Hebrew context, then I don't think um, Isaiah knew anything about Jesus, um, whereas Jesus was quoting Isaiah a lot. So, um, yeah. I'm sort of conflicted in that view. So um, just for the sake of being an Old Testament scholar, I'm just going to go Malachi. <laughs> really? <laughs> Got to stay true to my gang. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brian, for like voting for my <laughs> that I was willing to like throw under the bus. <laughs> you made me kind of, you know, regret being like, I'm happy to let Corinthians take it. <laughs> you can see what time to change your mind. Uh, Amanda. Yeah. So I, I would have voted Malachi, but I, I think I'm about to be outvoted. I mean, if... <laughs> hey, Amanda, if you vote Malachi, I'll also vote Malachi. I'm voting, I'm voting Malachi. Oh, now it goes down to Steph. Do you want to force it to sudden death or are you, what do you got to vote for? I mean, if I speak in the tongues of mortals or angels but do not have love... <laughs> am I just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? Is that what I am right now? <laughs> oh, so no. do you love Malachi? Uh, I'm going to vote one Corinthians. It's, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, if that was a great advocacy for watching the video, because we all fell off our chairs when, when Steph began there. All right. So It was such uh, a beautiful eulogy, though. It was fantastic, Steph. It was <laughs> Because, because Paul stresses the body in 1 Corinthians, head will be Malachi and, and tails will be 1 Corinthians. Oh, there's a lot riding on this one. I'm so torn. Head. Malachi. <laughs> Malachi <laughs> goes into oh the next gosh. round. Malachi. Malachi has knocked out Romans and <laughs> Malachi is going on my list of books I need to revisit. Well, <laughs> let's see what it's going to go yeah. against. We've got Revelation versus Judges. Judges, which is also like I guess a surprise book to be in the Elite Eight, like to, to make it all the way there. So, but now Revelation versus Judges. <laughs> I can't go past Revelation. I'm sorry. It's like it's just so. Um, I mean, it's cinematic, which is <laughs> like just lovely to read. Um, but also, yeah, just like the the vision for what the kingdom looks like. It's another. This is kind of why I, I also go with Matthew because it's like it's a, just a lot of kingdom stuff, um, which is something that you know you really hold on to or at least I do it, it um, describes a future that I want to be part of mm. Mm. still love judges for all the reasons we've put forward I was willing to knock it out before um, <laughs> I'm going revelation mm. I'm going revelation there's a lot of weird imagery in Revelation that is just uninterpretable. Um, mm. I do love it for its, you know, speaking against the empire. The same things that I love about Matthew is, um, you know, 
deliverance, uh, beautiful, beautiful themes. But I'm just going to stick with judges because I've campaigned so hard for judges previously that I feel like it's, it's you know, it's too early to bow out now. Mm-hmm. Amanda? I think, um, yeah. I think Revelation is one of those books that you need, like, to read every other book of the Bible in order to sort of try and understand Revelation. Mm. Um, so it's got a lot that re- um, that resonates um, and that echoes the rest of the, the Bible. Um, and, I, and I just think that, you know, we're, we're sort of not far away from the Olympics and um, judges is a bit like the Australian boomers. It's run its course. It's, you know, it's come against the great America, the American team. And, you know, there's no, there's no Cinderella fairy tale story coming in, and so I think Revelation will take this one. <laughs> I think Revelation has it now, Ben. Do you want to say a, a word for or against? Um, I, I was going to vote for judges, so I will just give a small eulogy that in you know, in terms of the stories that we should be continuing to reflect on um, and continuing to. Uh, reclaim. Uh, I think the book of Judges has a lot of them and there's lessons in the book of Judges that we still need to be learning. Thank you, Amanda. It makes a good case. (laughs) Are you changing or are you staying with? You're staying, okay. Well, okay, Revelation goes through. So we're into the final four, uh, folks. We're into getting real, real exciting now. We are having uh, the Gospel of John versus the book of Genesis. Did we do the top right corner with Psalms and Proverbs? Oh, we did. Song of Songs and Ruth? Sorry. Thank you, because I was going to say, where was Psalms? <laughs> yeah, I missed a whole section of the, uh, the, the the Elite Eight. Thank you for that. So Psalms versus Proverbs. These are, these, actually, yeah, these are good contests that we can't ignore. Psalms versus Proverbs. I'm going to go Psalms. It's all in the same. Look, I'm going to go Psalms, which means I don't get to say my, my spiel for Proverbs. My spiel for Proverbs, though, uh, was that well, my spiel against Proverbs was that I don't like the idea of wives being compared to nagging taps. But my spiel <laughs> for Proverbs was, uh, I think it's Proverbs 5, you know, that the may you ever delight in the wife of your, your youth and may, you know, her breasts always be satisfying to you, I think is a really important Bible passage that we don't dwell on enough, but I'm going to go Psalms. Mm. I think I'm going to go with the Psalms for the same reason a lot of people love Job, um, just the, the honest voicing of human experience to God. And, yes, there's a lot of problematic violence and uh, views in there that uh, should be engaged as well, but just the fact that we can say anything, pray anything to God, um, love it. Mm. Rowan? Oh. oh, Amanda, sorry, Amanda. I'm, just, I'm going Psalms for the, that reason as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm Psalms as well. Psalms has it. Uh, Then we have Song of Songs versus Ruth. Song of Songs is so... I'm just going to sort of... I'm just going to repeat what... um, Yeah, 
I'm going to repeat what Rabbi Akiva said about the Song of Song. It is the, the greatest book. Um, the holiest of holies, I think um, Robert, Rabbi Akiva says about the Song of Song. It's the book that gets read in the Passover. Um, and there's just so much stuff there, you know. Um, there's a lot of uh, very um, pro-woman um, imagery in there, celebration of the anthropo- uh, the, uh, the, the the celebration of the human body, um, you know, and um, I wrote my master's thesis on Song of Songs, so you know I was I was um, engaging with um, with this book from a very conservative um, background. You know, with my church, um, we're very conservative, um, and so therefore we hardly read or or touch this book. Um, so I find it fascinating that we've gone at length to try and, uh, and and avoid this book when you've when you've when when it plays such a prominent um, role in Jewish society so um, I mean it's just a wonderful book um, you know and that's without even trying to do an allegorical reading of it you know you, you just um, admire all the imagery in there the 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 metaphors and, and the comparison I mean comparing you know here to a flock of goats um, Hey, that's just, it gets you, it makes you stop and think. You know, you don't get it straight away. And I think the author of Song of Songs did that deliberately. They don't want you to get it straight away. They want you to sit down, have a think about the imagery before you make an, uh, an assumption. Um, and, and I think that's a perfect sort of insight into trying to understand the love of God as well. So, um, you know, we, 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 we did knock, out, knock off God is love in the beginning, but I think God is love is right here in the Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. So Song of Songs got my vote. So look, does Absolutely. anyone want to, yeah, unless anyone wants to make a case for Ruth, I'm, I'm letting that, that could be our voice for Song of Songs in this round. All right, great. Uh, great. Okay, now, now we are properly on. Thank you for that catch. Now we are properly on to the final, on the Elite Eight. We finished Sweet 16, now we're on to the Elite Eight. John versus Genesis. I need I'm, to go Genesis. Okay. Is Amanda's it controversial to say John? Well, Amanda's already said Genesis, um, so it's at least open. I'll say Genesis. Okay, now it's really open. Uh, I will also say Genesis, I think. I, why? Okay, good. Well, you can ask Ellis why. Why am I getting well, good? Um, <laughs> they all jumped in. <laughs> I mean, I love John. John is my favourite gospel, so I, I, I feel conflicted. I just feel you can spend a lifetime in Genesis. I just think because because just because of the nature of the, the difference we see often between Hebrew Bible and New Testament of of a lot more ambiguity or openness, uh, uh, maybe a bit less didacticism that like I mean that you just have from the jump. So here's two creation accounts. Then we're going to go Noah, and we're just going to put two accounts just together. Like we're not going to keep them separate. We're just going to boom right there. You have just these like just huge failures of human beings trying to figure out what it is to live together and 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 failing of the first murder you have these huge typologies of people emerge um that that can be mapped on to so much of of human society and interaction going going beyond and then you come to joseph and i mentioned this before like you have this long story in which like god has been an active player like just talking to abraham just like hanging out and then all of a sudden god's like not really that present for this whole back end of genesis and you have the story of joseph and his brothers betraying him and then 
one of the more like interesting examinations of like power dynamics in that you have a, you know a, a wo- woman of power abusing her male slave like you know I mean, we've talked a lot about rightly about the subjection of women but you have this very like flipped um examination of what power can be and mean and subjugation and, and different relationships and then you have joseph like does this whole weird thing with his brothers where he's like <laughs> like um you know, framing his youngest brother to see if any of the other brothers have learned a lesson and might actually stand up for each other. You know, you've got, and you've got like little stories of Reuben and Judah throughout which show whether they want to learn or not uh, coming to this moment. You, you just have such rich people who, and also huge failure and violence and, and mess. And I just think you could, I mean, maybe it's because I just, you know, I feel like you've got the Jesus story. It's just there and that's great. And I love it. But the, and the, you could just spend so much time in Genesis that I don't want to let it go. Um, so that's my, that's my, that's my argument for. I'll take it. <laughs> and just with uh, the gender politics as well, um, you know, the, 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 one of the other most dominant um, aspects of Genesis is the uh, patriarchal narratives. Um, but, you know, when you read the works of someone like Barbara Deutschman, um, who um, does wonderful work on the birth narratives um, in Genesis, uh, she certainly sees that, you know, the, the crucial role that women play um, in this, uh, in, 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 the, in the great, um, you know, blessing, um, you know, without the women um, in these narratives, you know, the, the blessing doesn't move forward, um, you know, and there's this, there's, all, there's this, Oh, there's this big search for, you know, the heir to, to the, but, you know, without, um, you know, without Sarah, without um, Rachel, without Rebecca, you know, th- these promises don't come to fruition. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, just looking at how, you know, the, you see these counter ter- counter narratives um, pl- um, coming about in, um, in Genesis uh, is, is, is magnificent. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I enjoy the book, the, the Gospel of John, but at the end of the day, John models his first few um, chapter, the first chapter on Genesis. So I'm going to go with Genesis. There's a part of my evangelical heart that is like, you know, Jesus. Let's let's keep Jesus at the center. How on earth can we choose Genesis over a gospel? <laughs> I'm also um, feeling that, but <laughs> that's great. I love that. But but I think the declaration of, you know, I am the light of the world and, mm. you know, the, the flipping of, um, you know, offering sacrifices and, you know, actually like the, the light being offered freely and, you know, I am in the Father and the Father is in me and let's abide in love and, just the beauty, I don't know, it's hard to even go into all of the beauty that John's gospel gives us. Um, and, yeah, as you said, the alternative, you know, beginning origin myth, which I think is a big reason to keep Genesis, is like where do we come from, who is the God behind uh, the universe? Um, yeah, and just the, the proclamation of eternal life. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to let John go. So it's tough, but I think I'm going to edge towards John. All right. So I think we're at two verse three with Rowan still to vote. Am I right? No, no, I went with Genesis. Are you went with Genesis? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel bad about it. 
but I still did go with Genesis. And Amanda, you went with Genesis, didn't you? Okay, so I, 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 I am conflicted. Like, John is great. I think, you know, I'm going ahead. Like, that whole last discourse with his disciples is all, like, look, you're going to be scared, but I'm going ahead so that I can, I can be with you. And, and that's... And, and as a prayer, longest prayer in the Bible. Mm. And, and as a Hebrew Bible scholar, like you know, I don't, I don't tend to do this, but you know, John, it says that at the beginning was the Word, so you know, Jesus was in Genesis, so. Still <laughs> well, that's it, and 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 Yahweh did go ahead of them in the garden to the outside there you world. Go. So. There you go. Okay, I like that. Matthew versus Job. I'll go for a gospel here. I'll go Matthew. <laughs> I'm going Job. Matthew. Got to be Matthew for me. Yeah, I've got to stay true to my Job. Yeah, Job. But are we getting outnumbered, the Amanda? Job is problematic. You know, I think that, that the whole idea of like the devil coming up and being like, hey, God, can I like, you know, have a go at this dude? Like, that's the Bible well, according to. Declare. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Hasatan. It's, like, it's not the devil. It's Hasatan. It, it's the adversary. So okay, the, the, not, the, the, the figure of Satan doesn't really exist in the um in the book of Job um, as, as you'd imagine in the in the New Testament. All right, I will be small. Yeah, right. Uh it's problematic. I yeah, find it problematic that of God well, whoever it is questioning putting that question to God, uh that that to me really it kind of hurts my heart uh, that there's this God that is like, you're all right. Have you tried this guy? Um, and also as much as like, I hear what you and Amanda are saying about like Job's suffering and his complaints, but the kind of uh, the whole like, okay, well you did a good job. So here's some new kids and new crops and a new crop. I'm just like, it's just not how, how suffering works. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know what to do with Job. Um, so that's why I would, it, it can go now. <laughs> yeah. I do think that last chapter of Job, the last little bit, the coda, which I know some people just excise um, as being a later addition, but like is, is troubling. Um, and Matthew, you get sheep and goats, which I think is pretty, you know, Matthew 25 is, is so vital. Um, I think we're down to Steph. Steph, have you voted? What are you, what are you doing? I'm voting Matthew. Okay, Matthew Definitely. goes through. Um, great. Ooh, Matthew versus Genesis coming up. Uh, then we're going up to Psalms versus Song of Songs. Wow. This is... Okay, so here's here's my okay. plea for Song of Songs, all Never right? Remember. Aside from everything else that we've spoken about, the church for a very, very long time has done a really, really poor job at handling sexuality, right? And it so much damage has been done over hundreds and hundreds of years because the church has decided what is pure, what is impure, how we're meant to act and uh, putting a, this sense of holiness above above who we're actually created to be and how we're created to love. So that is why I think the Song of Songs is so, so important. And yet, yay for the Psalms as well. I think they're great. But we really, really need to be reclaiming what sex and sexuality is. And Song of Songs is the book for me to, to help that. 
Love I'm it. with Amanda on this. I mean, I, I, it's hard because letting Sans go feels really counterintuitive. <laughs> I mean, I love that. Like the, that's the whole point of this game. Oh, we'll just get rid of that book of the Bible. That's fine. Um, you know, and I think, when I think about Psalms, when I think about everyone I spoke to in the course of my PhD, so many people were like, you know, when I was in a tough time, the only thing I could read was Psalms. You know, so many people, like, I say that like I interviewed hundreds of people. <laughs> of the people I interviewed, a significant amount of them alluded to Psalms. And I want to honour that. Um, but for exactly what Amanda said, it has to be someone's Psalms. You know, I think about you know, my, my friend and colleague, Erin Sessions, who would tell us that Song of Songs gives us a model for how to talk about consent uh, and that we can use it uh, in, in, uh, in thinking through our, our, our national problem with intimate mm. partner violence. Um, that's so important uh, mm. that we do, as Amanda is saying, have this book that is like, you and as Brian told us before, you have bodies, they are glorious. Uh, you know, and we have this woman in the text who may or may not be married to her partner and who is like, let him come and give me kisses. And <laughs> you know, that is just glorious that that, that is in our, our scriptural text. Mm-hmm. I, I love what Rosie said. I mean, um, and, and you know, the whole consent bit that is so true because. There's a lot of this, uh, this, um, this, this type of language where it's requesting, you know, let me, let my lips kiss, you know, it's not come in, I'll kiss you, you know, it's none <laughs> of that stuff. It's, it's very, um, uh, you know, very respectful. Mm. Uh, there's a lot, it is very, it's very consent, uh, consensuous, is it the word? Um, yeah. So um, mm. I, I love that about it. And I just, I just really admire how it's, it's, um, I mean, you, you read the book and, 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 and a lot of people might not know this, but you read it, it's eight chapters, right? Or eight songs, but um, it's been widely held by a number of scholars that it's actually an anthology of over 30 different poems that is being put together to form this one book. So, um, and, and the way it's been structured, it almost seems like it's a narrative and, 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 you know, when you read it in the English language or, or Samoan language, in my case, it seems like a narrative because it's being translated across. Um, but when you look at it in the Hebrew text, it's 30 plus odd different um, uh, poems that have been put together. And, and my, one of my favorite verses, um, and we spec- we've spoken um, a lot about gender and, and all those other stuff. Um, but there's a verse in chapter one, verse five. Um, that sort of, you could almost read it as a rejection of racism. Um, I am black and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that, um, there's that cons- that's the conjunction um, that's been translated in, in a lot of, um, in a lot of uh, English translations as and, but I prefer to translate as, uh, and this is what I argued in my thesis, I, trans- I translate it as but. I am, I am black, but beautiful. Um, because... To me, it's 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 the, the woman speaking to sort of the, um, the the oppression at the time, you know, because there's an understanding that in, in ancient times, if you were fair skin, you were you were you know you you were you were associated with beauty. But if you had dark skin, you you weren't so much. You were seen as a person who worked the field, which um, the woman in in Song Song is. Um, so in sort of uh, subversive to that, she goes, 
I am black, but beautiful. You know, so that's why I've chosen but you know um, to 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 sort of act as some sort of a counter towards those um, very anti-black um, tendencies um, mm. in that society. So yeah, um, song song for me. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not sure if this comes as a surprise to anyone, but I'm all for reclaiming conversations in the church about good sexuality. <laughs> um, and, yeah, for all of the reasons mentioned, Song of Songs for me. Mm. Ron? Uh, look, I, I think I am going to be outvoted regardless, so I might just put in a, a vote for Psalms just because I think, you know, it's like there's so much good stuff there. Uh, but, no, it, everything that um, everyone has said is... is um, that's so true. And actually I hadn't thought about a lot of that. Um, so I, yeah, I'll vote for Song of Solomon. Right. Thank you. Uh, I think I would, I am too. I want to go shout out to like, um, Bruce Springsteen has a song, Jack of All Trades, which he sung after the like 2008 uh, financial collapse. And he talks about being like, you know, Jack of All Trades. This guy's like, you know, just I'll mow your lawn, I'll do this. And it ends with this great line of, if I had me a gun, I'd find the bastards and shoot them on sight, like talking about like the capitalists who who ruined the country kind of thing. And I always think about that whenever I read Psalm 137, which is this, you know, oppressed people dreaming of the revenge on their captors. And, and the fact that that's in the Psalms, I know it's like, it's problematic and tough, but the fact that you can just say like, yeah, people who have been ripped from their homes uh, and, and violated and exploited uh, dream of revenge violently upon their Thing, and then give that to God uh, is, is powerful. But I am very happy that Song of Songs goes through. So we're down to our last of this of this round, Malachi versus Revelation. <laughs> the matchup everyone was expecting from the beginning. Um, can Malachi do it? <laughs> can, yeah. Can, can Malachi hold out? Um, I'm just laughing. I feel like it's my fault that Malachi is there. So I need to keep voting. It is your fault, Rosie. <laughs> it's caught up in this river now. I almost, you know, we all. Uh, so I assume uh, Rosie Claire's still voting for Malachi. What, what, what everyone else doing? I'm, I'm still going Revelation. I, yeah. I love that book to death. <laughs> <laughs> I will go Revelation. Steph? I mean, I don't really know Malachi very well. The, the, the verse that I know the best out of Malachi is God hates divorce. So it's really not a good argument for, for Malachi in my books at this stage. Like it's... But then it's Matthew hard. 19 hates divorce. But he hates divorce because, because men are like choosing to leave their wives and he's saying you've forsaken your marriage vows. So it's like a real condemnation of men who are just like, I'm out. And, and Steph's book, Matthew 19, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's true. Um, I, I could just simply from not knowing the book very well. Yep. But, I mean, Rosie has sided with me purely on the basis of friendship before. So I'm like, I'm, it's hard at this point. <laughs> um, I, I want the Cinderella story to happen. I'm going to vote for Malachi. Against the, against the name of, her, of their own church uh, is, is a brutal move. Uh, uh, Amanda or Brian, whoever wants to go in. 
Ryan, go for it. Oh, um, yeah. Just in case my good friend Ewan Lowe listens to this, because I know he did his PhD <laughs> on Revelation, I'm going to cast my vote for Revelation. But you know, I'm looking for that Cinderella story for <laughs> <laughs> Revelation. Amanda, what are you doing? I think I'm going to go Revelation. Revelation gets through. We don't need a coin. Uh, I, I don't want to mess with coins in the book of Revelation. That feels too, uh, too scary to me. All right. We're into the final four. Just two matchups, of, the two matchups here and then the final. So Genesis versus Song of Songs. I mean, like, oh, sorry. I think I broke up it. Genesis and Song of Songs. Genesis and Song of Songs. Uh, here's my, here's a, a bit of, I didn't say for Genesis before. We've got the story of Hagar. Like the, the, the foreign slave woman who names God, right? That's rich and, and provocative and, and engaging and full. Um, that I think is, is, is hard to, is another, just, I'm adding that on to, to all that was said uh, that I said before. So, so I think I'm still going to go with Genesis here, but I'm, yeah. What do other people think? And, and the God who is, with them too you know for um for the advocating for the the god is with everyone he has a very strong foundational narrative from the beginning which is Mm. very powerful Mm. look you know alongside with hagar oh gosh there's so many things um you know, I was reading an article that i saw via twitter with uh rabbi I think it's Daniel Ruttenberg um, oh, yeah. talking about how, you know, we need to think about uh, the, the, there's, you know, we talked about the gendered violence in, um, in judges, but all of there's like this, there's a complicity between um, Sarah and Abram. And just as Abram uh, puts Sarah into, into trouble to get himself out of trouble, uh, she also does the exact same thing with Hagar. Um, mm. And so that kind of, uh, you know that really complex network of of power relations is is an important thing to be looking at. Um, you know, you were talking about Hagar naming God. We've also got the fact where Melchizedek names God, and there's this really important um, idea that uh, that Annie Reverend Denise Champion talks about in her book Anna Ditch, where you have Abraham taking the name of God from from an indigenous person Mm. um and that's really important you know Mm. for us to to have those sorts of stories and to read that sort of story in that way I can't believe I'm arguing against Song of Songs (laughs) I I really want to keep Song of Songs um I I also want to know what the other two are before I cast my vote (laughs) um I don't Um. know (laughs) I'm told. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna stay with Song of Songs. Um, I've said. I think I've said about everything I could say about it. But the last thing I will say is that, you know, and this is drawn from what you, Liam, and Rosie have said. You know, you've got a book here, Genesis, that tells you who God is, but in Song of Songs, you've got a book here that's telling, that's asking you to name God. It's asking you to identify who God is by way of 
admiring your your body, um, the way you've been made. Um, you know the the you know they said that you know it says there that God um, created um, humanity in God's image. Um, and then Song of Songs just said, "Well, if that's the case, have a look at yourself, and you and you tell me who God is." Depend um, according to what you think of yourself, um, with your own body, with your own gender. So that's why I'm going with gen- uh, with Song of Songs. Uh, I think that's why I have to go with Genesis because if I'm really sad, <laughs> right? But if we didn't have this this these wonderful poems and and creation myths, then that that fundamental understanding of being made in the image of God by a, a creator who created creation not as some offset of war but out of love and out of um you know just generosity uh is, is something that is so foundational to then our understanding of song of songs so it kind of feels like you have to have genesis first so my vote is for genesis mm. Can I just say in response to your saying, because I'm going back to your original point, Amanda, and you're saying that we've done such a bad job with this book, and then you've gotten to the final hurdle to say, yeah, I'm just going to say Man, you're now. using my words against me. <laughs> I'm just going to side with everyone else now. <laughs> the whole point of this game, right, is the conceit of the fact that we can only have one book of the Bible, which, you know, when I when I uh, checked in with, <laughs> with uh, the wonderful Dr. Rochelle Gilmore for any tips that she had on which books should stay, she was like, well, all of them, because they're all the word of God. Um, <laughs> so I love well, this I would probably say like Samuel, that. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, and I tried hard. I voted for Samuel and Daniel. <laughs> um, uh, I am actually going to vote for Song of Songs despite the conversation of Genesis. I'm going Song of Songs. That's Jeff I think for me, um, the it's got to be Genesis still, um, even though everyone's spoken very compellingly about um, Song of Songs. Um, just... Uh, because in the two creation accounts in Genesis, like they complement each other so well, because there's like, uh, is it Genesis one where it's like, you're made in the image of Mm. God. And then Genesis two, where it's kind of like, um, but the universe isn't about you. Mm. (laughs) Like Mm. um, it's about God. And so uh, I think that is just, it strikes a really good balance for, you know, how to view yourself Mm. Um, and your own self-esteem. Um, and I think about that a lot. Mm. Yeah, I think purely on the creation myths alone is where it hangs for me in learning about the maleness and the femaleness mm. of God, the, the masculinity and the femininity going together. Uh, also listening to Indigenous Christians talking about um, being formed from the dust and um, being inherently connected with the rest of creation. Um, And I just love this beautiful vision of the God in contrast to other creation myths where we have a God who um, steps aside and creates space for other life to flourish in a way that is motivated by love 
uh, and that's just not what we see in a lot of the other creation myths, and I mm. think it's what sets the the Hebrew God um, apart, and mm. I love that. Mm. So Genesis is going through. Uh, Song of Songs was actually one of the readings from our wedding was from Song of Songs. So, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see it go. But uh, Genesis uh, goes through and we can all make more arguments for it very soon. So Genesis is going forward here. Let me write that in. And now we're going Matthew verse Revelation. First book of the New Testament verse last book. And thus a chance that if Revelation continues its strange path, we could have Genesis versus Revelation. I don't want that to sway anyone. I don't want that to sway anyone. But we could have Genesis versus Revelation. I mean, Genesis versus Matthew is also first and first. So either they're first and first or first and last. Um, so I'll, I'll open it up. Matthew versus Revelation. What do we want to take? I mean, the poetry of the Alpha Omega <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> for me, it's still Matthew, just for the parables um even it it's just like it's such a good book i know that uh, like for a lot of people um it's not their favorite uh, gospel uh for various reasons um but yeah for me it's like great way to start the new testament um and paints just like such rich pictures about um the kingdom of god mm. In an empire where the poor are completely undervalued, we get this beautiful, blessed are the poor yeah. and these beatitudes of everyone who you've undervalued ever in every way of life uh, is great in the kingdom of heaven. This new world and this new reign and this new empire, which contrasts with the world and the reign and the empire that you know is completely different. Uh, and this is what I'm calling you uh, to, to see that is coming near and to repent and join this alternative social society uh, that is ruled and reigned by God who uh, declares blessed are the poor and learn from the children and um, become slaves when slavery is uh, not something to be aspired to you'll be servants of each other there's no title there's there's no hierarchy there's no entitlement uh, you're all on the same level it's a just playing field and we're going to lift one another up and that's the world that god and jesus brings in and that's what we're joining into that's my argument for the gospel mm -hmm. of matthew was, steph took us to church uh. it's a good <laughs> argument <laughs> I want to go, Matthew. Yeah, I don't know whether I should vote for the beginning of the appendix or the end of the appendix. So, uh, I mean, you know, uh, but I don't know. I'll, I'll just I'll go with Matthew for Steph's sake. <laughs> uh, Amanda. Oh man, I wish Song of Songs was here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, um, so look, you know. <laughs> I got to say, like, I, I, I'm kind of apathetic about these two choices in terms of, you know, objectively looking at both of the texts. I've got to say revelation is just sometimes lost in obscurity. 
And so if we're, we're looking at, you know, which, which one should be there, then I'd have to say Matthew. So I'm going with Matthew. Matthew's getting through. Uh, yep. All right, folks. The first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, versus the first book of the New Testament, the gospel according to Matthew. So the church, you know, the church decided this gospel had to go first. And if you picked up a Bible, this was the book that you were going to get introduced to. And that, that meant something. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Genesis, you know, if, are we actually, are we going to have one book left in the Bible and it's not, doesn't have Jesus in it? <laughs> well, no, hang on. I, no, well, this is part of my, this is part of my um, argument for Genesis in saying that Jesus is in Genesis. Jesus is part of the creation. Jesus has always been there. It, it, he, he's part of the Trinity, he's part of the spirit that hovers over the waters, the part of the creation. And so that is why I'm voting for Genesis. And don't at me that Jesus <laughs> is not there because he is. Well, it's called Genesis for a reason, isn't it? Um, it's the first of everything, you know, um, when, you, when you're trying to understand our monotheistic um, approach to worship and faith, it all, it all begins with Genesis, you know. Um, and you, you have, you know, you've got the creation story, you've got all the very first, um, you know, elements of, of, of the narrative world that we see in the Hebrew Bible. Um, and it all goes through all towards the New, Test to the New Testament. So, um, you can have um, you can have the Old Testament without the New Testament, but you can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament, right? So um, um, a lot of publishers would disagree. So, <laughs> hey, propaganda. Um, so Genesis for me to to take this out to take this out. We can't have a book from the appendix taking this out. We've got to have it from Gen from the Hebrew Bible. I had a commentary on Genesis a while ago. I, it was probably like John Stott or somebody, you know, equally evangelical and famous. Um, and the kind of point that they were making about Genesis, you know, was we can have all these various arguments about, you know, are you going to be a seven-day creation person? Is it literal? Is it metaphorical? Um, and that none of that, the, the part that mattered in Genesis was that we all just, that we had to agree on was that in the beginning God mm. after that it was anybody's game um and uh you know Matthew opens with a genealogy which writing wise isn't the strongest opening um and it, it's like well, I'm, I'm not sure what our criteria for voting are here I think that all of Steph's points about Matthew in the previous round about this vision for, and Rowan's too this vision for the kingdom uh the stuff on Unix um like so the kind of social aspects which I suppose as a sociologist and cultural studies person that's what I should care about um <laughs> as a Christian person you know we kind of need in the beginning God so I guess it goes to Genesis. Mm -hmm. Ron? Uh, I, I still do have to stick with Matthew, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, it. I don't know. I don't really have much else to add except to say uh, that 
yeah, the parables are the best. <laughs> There's a sense that, oh, Steph, did you want to say something? Yeah, it's, sorry, Liam. You, you go, you go. Uh, it's tough, isn't it? You know, I, how do you, like the Hebrew scriptures, we need them. We don't have Christian scriptures without Hebrew scriptures. We don't have the the story of where we came from. We don't have, you know, it doesn't make sense. Any of Matthew without Genesis, um, it's difficult. Um, I think I just really love this the gospel of Matthew because it speaks to this time as well of being you know of having two percent of our world controlling wealth and power and the other another 10 percent sort of getting a share in that and then 90 percent of the world doesn't get anything you know they're out of the elite class they don't have any power um, and you have this alternative way of viewing the world, which, you know, and then go and make disciples of all nations and bring them into this movement. Um, so I just have to stick with Matthew because it speaks to me so much. I think it's so relevant. And Matthew has like, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. Like I mean, that, that, that alone is so strong. Oh my so. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I was once in a, in a, in a, many years ago, an actor. And I think, you know, the most important thing to know when you're an actor and you're about to perform is what play are you in? Like, are you stepping in, you know, a tale of a Danish prince called Hamlet or a Scottish uh, usurper called Macbeth? Once you know that, the rest kind of just can fumble into place. You got to know what play you're in. And Genesis tells you what play you're in. Genesis tells you that you have entered into the created world of God, a world that is a gift, a world in which we bear the image of God and thus are sent to be these kind of viceroys and ambassadors that care for it well, that continue in its unfolding creation and learn to live well together as we do bearing that image. And when we know that, we can start to fumble through the rest uh, and whatever latent memories of the gospels that we're no longer allowed to read might help us. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so I am going to go for Genesis. And I guess also, cause I never defined like what the criteria was like, I, you know, we've all just taken it as like, this is the only book we have left. And I guess in some sense, which one would I want to read more? If I only could ever read one again and again and again, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going Genesis, but that's my criteria that I've made. Totally different criteria. Very different, right? So forget, yeah, totally different. So let's not worry about that. So, well, anyway, I, I voted for Genesis, which means it's 4-2 to Genesis in the final round. And ladies and gentlemen, we can announce our winner, the book of Genesis, the first of the Bible wins the Bible bracket. It is the best, whatever, representative something book of the Bible, Genesis. There it is. Uh, and it wins a prize to be determined later uh, <laughs> by our producers. Uh, Genesis, folks, we, it, it happened. I wouldn't have. I knew it would go far. I didn't necessarily think it was going to win. Um, and but it's it's great that it has. But what's been much more has been the the, the friends we've made along the way, the the journey to this point. But also like the great words we've said. Like uh, you know, whole books have been reframed in my mind through these conversations that I, I'm excited to explore again and read again with it all in mind. And I hope 
those who have listened, <laughs> the seven people who decided to follow this all the way through, uh, it's it's inordinate length. Uh, I remember we're going to read Malachi now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably that's right up. That's tomorrow Thanks, morning. Um, I think is is great. Um, there's been a lot of fun. Uh, so my wonderful panel, thank you for joining me. I think we got most of our plugs in before. Does anyone have anything else they want to quickly shout out now uh, for anyone interested? Yeah, stuff will be in the bio in the show notes for anyone uh, who wants to see that. My, my dear thanks for you all coming on uh, and joining me for this. I've kept you up so late, uh, <laughs> but I, I've had maybe the most fun night, one of the more fun nights in lockdown. So, so I do appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you. Us, and um, happy 100 as well. Yeah, happy oh. 100. You. Raise your bet. I know. I can't <laughs> believe it. I can't believe 100, 100 of these over some four or so years. Uh, thank you for everyone who's ever listened to one or who've listened to all. <laughs> That's not too many people. Um, but uh, I do appreciate anyone who's tuned in or shared. Uh, maybe give this one a share or, or share your favourite and let me know what one that was or let someone else know what that was. Thank you so much. And, and, and I guess we'll be back next week with a much shorter, more, more true to form episode, but this, <laughs> this has been a blast. Ladies and gentlemen, the book of Genesis, uh, reign supreme and, uh, yeah, see you later. <laughs> <laughs>